Hey folks, Scott with Leading Edge Archery's podcast. Our umpteenth million recording, I think. Who knows? But we got some crazy news. I think we're going to change things up. We are. We are? This will be the uh, the last show with the show formerly known as... LEA. The LEA podcast. How, am I allowed to even talk about this yet? No, no, the next show oh, is going to be the podcast formerly known as Leading Edge Archery Podcast. True. Yeah. Okay. But, so. but my book, can I... Say, do I say why or not? I don't know. You're the boss, bro. Shit, I don't know. I don't know. We'll just leave you we'll guys just leave in it that. We'll leave it we'll at that. We'll afterwards. talk about it later. But we are going to change the name of the podcast. We will be coming back with something different. Mm-hmm. Got a lot of different names floating around, but we'll come back with the. We got some cool ones, I think, and we'll surprise everybody with that. But uh, we got a special guest today, along with me and Bridger and Jason. We got Mr. Dave Roberts, who is the national account sales rep for MWS. And that is covering a lot of different manufacturers. <laughs> yeah. Right, yes, Robert? sir. Let him get a plug in real quick. Who you got? Who you repping for? Uh, MWS Associates out of Sturgeon Bay, Wisconsin, in currently leading edge archery. We do Prime, Quest, G5, Spot Hog, Mark Series Arrows, Big Shot Targets, and probably some other stuff I'm forgetting. Yeah, guns. I know you guys got a gun We company. do some gun stuff on the other side. Yeah. Best of the West Rifles, Huskama Optics, Cuddyback Cameras, Kenetrek Boots. Kenetrek Boots is a big one with us. Those mm-hmm. are awesome. Those are all lines. We do dry shod footwear. A cool. uh, lot of different brands. We do some Coleman Bug Spray, Redneck Sunscreen. Uh, I'm sure I'm missing something. That's a lot of products. All climate we need in Texas. Yeah, yeah climate camping stuff. You, can, you name it. That's cool. That is cool. Well, we're we're glad to have him. So he's going to talk up some of the some of the inside industry stuff. Maybe we can give him the give us some good good cheddar, you know, <laughs> yeah. give him the spill. Yeah, but um, I don't know. Since we recorded last, we've we'll had just do a quick recap. Yeah, we've had one the co- last two weeks. Yeah, we've had one or two, just two big tournaments or one. We had two, two. Well, you had one, and then we went to an ASA. No, I haven't had one. No, he haven't had one. Jaybird no. hasn't shot yet. Just come back from SoCal. I haven't shot. Oh, that's SoCal. what I was yeah. thinking of. Yeah, and we did our last show was on SoCal. Yep. So, and we just had uh, Metropolis, Illinois, the mm-hmm. Pro Am up there. Which hey, did you guys hear? Programs. Did you guys hear that? Is it the last one? So I had heard somewhere that said it. Uh, this was going to be the last year they did it in Metropolis. Okay, but so I it is heard, Metropolis. I haven't heard anything from from Josh or Mike or where they're going or any anybody like official yet. Yeah, but right. I know where That's they're not the going. Where? Word on the street. Yeah. Uh-huh. Hey, dude. Rumor is Houston was on on the books. Say, so yeah, I'd heard Houston and South Carolina. God, they don't. If they go to South that Carolina, would be stupid. Let's go west for once. Well, it's not just that. South Carolina doesn't have a market out there. That's a fishing state. Well, yeah, but I mean, it's still southeast. Like they do yeah, fine out there. I'll tell you what, though, I'll be happy. They got better barbecue than we have here. <laughs> I don't know, Dave. What do you think about that? You're, are you a true-blooded Texan, Dave? No. No, no. I am not. Oh, I'm okay. a transplant, but I got gotcha. here as quick as I could. Gotcha, gotcha. Where are you originally from? Um, West Coast guy. I'm from Oregon when Oregon... Oh, sweet. Yep. When uh, Oregon was cool? Be- before it <laughs> Before Portland became what Portland is, yeah, I was in Oregon. I grew up on the west side of Portland, uh, out there between the coast and Mount Hood. So do you think Texas barbecue is the way to go? Absolutely. There you go. Jason disagrees. That's not a real question. (laughs) So it's funny. I lived all over the country, and my favorite is the southeast, Georgia. I just don't like barbecue all day. Yeah. There's a couple places you can go to here in Texas. I like the vinegary sauce of the southeast. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to say no to Cooper's, the original Cooper's. Mm -hmm. Atlanta Uh, is the best. 
Hard eight. You don't. Uh, hard eight's good. Hard eight's had great. That. Is it really? Okay. Insert yeah. sponsorship. <laughs> yeah. Or what's the what's the one up in Sisterdale here? Uh, Blackbeards or Blackboard? Blackboard. That's it. Blackboard. Yeah. I think really around here too. is really good. Barbecue. Uh, you know, it's funny now. Barbecue is getting to be like 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 Dodge, Ford, and Chevy. I mean, it's really, you know, what you I like, mean, who you like. Yes and no. I mean, once everybody figured out how to do it. How long do you, you just keep it at a certain temperature for a certain amount of time with a certain type of wood? Exactly. <laughs> this is true. It's just like hunting whitetail. Yeah. And there's going to be a million <laughs> ways to do it. A million ways to do it. Exactly. But That's hilarious. Back on track. Metropolis. Now, so me and Bridger had to talk about this. Uh-huh. If you guys haven't uh, listening out there have not seen it. The scores in the known pro side of Metropolis were absolutely insane. 50, I think fifty. I'm six. pretty sure it was fifty-six. Fifty-six just 54. to get in. Yeah, it's fifty-six, fifty-four maybe. At but 56 I think it was fifty-six up, just to make it in. Jimmy Lutz set a new national record he at sixty-six. Which so is so good, dude. That means he missed seven targets out yeah. of forty mm-hmm. bonus rings. Yeah, yeah, that's unconscious shooting. And that's so, after going to a new manufacturer in a week. Yeah, exactly. It's, cra- it's fair, crazy. He, shot, he won a sure. no, well, large yeah, sum of money he with knew that, that bow specific really well. bow yeah, for exactly. a I'm couple sure of years. I'm sure he still had one in his garage that he was messing around oh, with. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. Well, but anyways, that those scores are so big that I'm when I seen those scores, qualifying scores, I really came to the conclusion, I think that is going to hurt the known pro class moving forward. I mean, think about it. If you're a guy shooting, let's say, 30, in between 30 and 40, let's say, um, you've got to do a, take a hard look in the mirror and ask yourself, can I shoot 50, mid-50s? Because that's where it's heading. It's yeah. getting to the point now, if you're, if you're not 50, you're not even sniffing that top, that shoot-off to yeah. getting in. So you've got to do a hard look and say, hey, am I going to continue to pay you know, 330 bucks, whatever it is, a, a tournament, to come out here, be middle of the pack, you know, you can't even re up there. Yeah, but at, I mean, if I'm the ASA, I'd be excited about it. What's a better product to sell? A bunch of a bunch of dudes just going out there and hitting it every other time, or like, hey, come check these guys out. They only like they're shooting forty arrows on a hard course and only missing like less than ten times. Agreed. But I what's think, a better product to sell to where you can bring in more money from outside of the industry? Well, that's what I'm saying. So I think that part of it's good for the shooter side of it. I think you're going to see it depress the known pro class a little bit. Those yeah, guys, I think out of those the guys, gates. I think they're going to go jump over to unknown, or they're going to drop back down in the K50. Well, it's going to be it's going to be a matter of is it easier for me to learn to judge, or yeah. for me to shoot my probe. thirty more points just to make the shoot off for a top ten? Uh, imagine this: un, I mean, uh, varying yardages, varying ter- terrain, t- varying targets. Yeah, it's getting almost to be like Vegas. I mean, potentially it could get there. You know, there's been all that talk. We talked about this, I think, a couple of podcasts ago about 60. Is 60 yards, the, 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 is that going to be the new norm that will help change this game? I don't think so. I think 60 I mean, drops it down 10 points, maybe. Yeah, it, it'll still be the same people up at the top. Yeah, like that, the parity of it isn't going to really change at all. It'll just affect the type of scores that you see. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. It's just crazy. I mean, I just those scores were mind-boggling. Um, and how good how good those guys are getting yeah. up there, but it was cool because you said the, the key word the parity in the class. You know, I you had Justin in, um, Kyle. Kyle's kind of a mainstay in there lately. He's just, he's on top on fire. Mm-hmm. But you had Jimmy and Justin. Who else made that? Rainy. Did, I think Jeff, Jeff Rainy. Jeff Rainy. Jeff, Jeff's been shooting really good. This and Jeff's year. been shooting good. He's the been, last couple he's years. been like 
two, he's been like two or four points out on every shoot down. This exactly. <laughs> but it was cool because you had two or three guys in there who aren't the, you know, the regulars in that. Yeah. You know, you, we were used to seeing Perkins and, and, and Douglas and, yeah. and even Stefan sometimes, but it's been, we've had that parody of yeah. the whole season. And I don't think, matter of fact, no one's won back to back other than Chance and the Unknown Pro. I don't think so. I don't think so. I think we've had a different, different champion every time. Yep. It's and been some huge. of the same guys in their shoot downs, but not the same but, one. But only a couple. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. I, matter of fact, I, look, I think if you look across it all, oh, Kyle, did Kyle even make a shoot off before this one? I think he was out. He, he, he won. He won oh, sorry, uh, London. He won, yeah, he won he London. Won London. Oh, Jimmy made the one. shoot down in Foley mm -hmm. yeah. and this one. Because he yeah. set, well, he set the record of the, he broke the record earlier this year in Foley, in Foley and, and then the he broke it. Yep. Yeah. That's crazy, dude. Some little target archers get insane. I mean, well, and I heard attendance so overall was a little bit down up there, correct? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I think oh, it, it seemed, there was seemed only seventy. In, there was only seventy in known pro. Yeah, it seemed that. like we didn't have as many as normal. Yeah. And then there was a lot of a lot of uh, crazy changes because I've never seen it happen. And I've been doing I've been shooting ASA since its inception, but um, you may not have heard, Jason. There's you know there's a lot of drama going on about cheating. Oh, <clears throat> so they were doing the weave pattern. You were going target one, and going across the lane to target two, back to three, back to four. They were going crisscross. Yeah. I mean, we've done that in the past. I've never like, seen it happen. <clears throat> I've done it like once or twice before this. Yeah, like I, I'm not even shooting ASA this year, and I was getting text messages and emails with range assignments. <laughs> I was like, uh -huh, I'm, hope you guys know I'm not going to be there. Yeah, you're on the uh, you're on the list on the email yeah. email list. That's hilarious. No, but it was cool. It was a good tournament. I heard. Jay, I mean, Brad, you were there. I didn't go. I always enjoy I Metropolis. I think it's in a good venue. Like the venue's good. Other than, I mean, I guess you could say one of the hotels in Metropolis, and it's like fifteen minutes maybe. But yeah. even if you stay in Paducah, like we had a house right in the river in Paducah, and it was twenty five minutes. Yeah, it's not bad. No, I mean, I like that venue. I think they do a good job out there. It's always like the lanes are always super clear and easy walking and everything. But they said it was crazy tough too, though. The, they said this course, they set some tight shot windows. There were a couple tight windows, which yeah. I mean, that can kind of segue us into our other or the other thing I wanted to talk shit about in Metropolis was What's the that? Page situation. Did you hear anything about that? No, I haven't heard shit about that. Oh well, Page had posted a with they had a five yard target. <laughs> Oh, and Paige jokingly, Paige jokingly stage, yeah. like stepped out and like had her stance like crazy wide to shoot it so she could shoot it at exactly five yards so her short marks would be on and her foot was like a foot to the right of the stake yeah and everybody's like oh my god she's not following the rules well, <laughs> you know they don't all think they understand she gets one step off yeah it, well and PJ came in and commented on it because uh, mm -hmm. somebody made a post on one of Cam's uh, little dealios on Facebook and PJ's like, well, she didn't actually shoot that arrow. That's why it wasn't an issue. Blah, blah, blah. Oh, so he kind of, I don't know. Like Courtney took that picture like jokingly, like saying, of, yeah. oh, this is so funny. Like not, and yeah. none of the girls in that class thought that Paige was cheating or had any issue with her standing off the right. side of the stake. Right. And back to the uh, amateurs. Well, it, well exactly. It's, it's a bunch of people not even in her division. Right. That are upset that, that the internet well, the, police. Yeah, it's people that aren't her, in her division that right. that are doing it. Well, for those who don't know, too, you have one step off per tournament. You'll get a warning, basically. You, but you can well, make but, the announcement and step off. But even, it. dude, like, we don't even enforce that in the pro class. No. Like, because I mean, maybe I'm breaking. System. It's, we, no, it's we call not it, even we that. We call it around the stake. Yeah, like, as long as it's you're not deliberately, yeah. deliberately standing closer to try and get a better or trying to get a competitive advantage, right. like, 
Hell, we had one on day day two. I think it was a, like an alert deer or something. But like if I didn't stand a foot to the right of the stake, like I physically could not have shot that arrow. Yeah. Like there would, would have been a yeah. six inch tree going directly through the center of the 10 ring. Yeah. Like You'll I had to step to the side to shoot it. Well, I, I, You'll I see had that, that issue last year. Well, you take, especially. Yeah, yeah, you. I like, took a, a half a wheel and mm-hmm. like to the right of it or to the left of it. Right. And everybody was cool. They were like, as long as you're not forward of the stake. Yeah. Like, I don't, it's, as long as you're not doing something to gain a competitive advantage that yeah. somebody else wouldn't be able to, like, like, why does it matter? Hell, it when, because the whole one step off rule came to be, I think it might have been in Metropolis one year. Uh, Donnie, like, they were super strict on the whole one foot on the stake or yeah. straddle the stake deal. And Donnie Thacker literally couldn't shoot a target and keep his foot on the stake so he tried to shoot it with his foot on the stake and ricocheted off a tree oh my i bet he went ballistic oh man so we i mean we ended up figuring out how to get the rule changed to where you know you got the one step off warning but we all wanted the rule to be similar verbiage to what the nfaa field rule is right to where the target the target itself is a pair is a line and the shooting stake and those two lines are parallel and as long as you're on that parallel shooting stake line yep like it doesn't really matter. Doesn't it shouldn't matter. matter where you want to see no, it. Exactly. No, we've we've I agree. We've been, that we've that's been one of those unwritten rules. But I tell you, you know, they're they're doing more and more, I think, to accommodate things like that people don't realize. Those amateurs that are, you know, complaining and bitching about that with Paige are gonna help drive some probably some not welcome change to the rule books and how they're doing things because they're trying to make it as fair and equitable as they can that's well, what yeah, they're trying to do the, the issue is not or the issue isn't necessarily the rule it's the fact that the rules or people don't want the rules enforced via the spirit of the rule correct like correct. the spirit of that rule is so that nobody stands five yards closer to the right. target right not so that the spirit of the rule isn't there so that somebody has to you know shoot through a limb or shoot through right. a tree or something right and if they want it to be that way, then I'm going to just stand there and call a range official and tell them to go fire up the fucking chainsaw. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> go get it, dude. Go move Trees the away, get out of it. <laughs> exactly. Cut it down. Yeah, that's funny. There, there's a, it seems like that, I don't know, now that there's more media coverage at these events than ever before, you know, since they've been in this, since it's been around, we're yep. giving a lot more of the complaints. Oh, dude, it's just the internet. Like I said, the internet it, referees. To are me, it's everywhere. so wild that like literally not a single woman in the no, women's known pro had any issue. Oh, they say a word about it. If Paige, we know. Did, if they Paige know. did shoot that target like that, like not nobody had an issue with it. No, at all whatsoever. Well, in reality, I think wasn't she more behind the stake also? She was directly to the side of it. Like her front foot was a foot to the right of it, and then she would had like. Like as wide of a stance as she, she could, could possibly get, get yeah. Yeah. behind it. So, the if anything, she was making it harder because she was standing further away. Mm-hmm. But Pretty oh, funny. she's one foot to the right. Pretty funny. Um, that was the only big national level tournament we had this past <clears throat> month, really. Mm-hmm. Um, but now it's going to get crazy. I know you're getting ready to head over to Chicago. No, I'm going to Czech Republic. Oh, Czech Republic. He's going to, Bor- he's going to Worlds. Yep. Yeah, good world championships. Be there for eleven days. Come back for five. Go to Chicago. Then for go to Chicago. Ranking. Yeah, yep. Then I'm back for a couple of weeks, and then outdoor nationals. And then the same time, we're you guys have we got uh, the classics coming up at that same time. Mm-hmm. Yep, you got state three this weekend. Or then you got Nick, Joe at uh, national. There's a bunch yep. of people going up there. Um, Are you going up there, Jay? Uh, 
Bridge? Yeah, I bought my flights. Yeah, so Bridger is going up to the. I get to, to play the, playing bow mechanic. He gets to play bow mechanic and little head little coach <laughs> up there with all our kiddos. Nice. We, we got a crap ton of kids heading up there. Yeah, like a ton. A there, we've got some. We a got lot a lot of bear bow shooters. A lot of bear, and we got two that are ranked in the top three. That I'm hoping that one of our girls, she's our little hammer, mm-hmm. takes it away from the, the nation's number one, which is going to be an awesome. Awesome yeah. dog fight. Yeah, she's so. shooting good. A couple other gals are shooting pretty really good. Really good. So. Yeah, so we're excited about that. Bridger's yeah. really doing it because he gets to go home for a while. I get to go home and drink <laughs> Iowa Bush Light. Iowa Bush Light, the real <laughs> stuff. We'll probably, yeah, probably end up going to the races on Saturday yeah, night, too. Yeah, there you go. Good to see your mom. Bike home, dude. What's that? Don't ride a bike home. No. No. Exactly. <laughs> you get one there. I know how well that works. You get to see your time. mom, too. That's a cool one. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I'll save my parents and steal a car from them. That's going to be a cool thing, for sure. That's awesome that they're having it so close to home yeah they had joe at nationals there one year when i was i think i was a cadet would have been like 2012 maybe yeah 2011 2012 how oppressive is the heat gonna be it won't be that bad i think it's gonna be like mid 80s i That's mean it'll bad. be like humidity 95 plus percent humidity because yeah, right. you're right next to the river Just but shaking my head of how old you made me feel <laughs> What made old. you feel? How old makes me feel, 2012, bro? 2012, you yeah. were shooting cadet. I was in Afghanistan. <laughs> <laughs> Aiming at bad guys. Yeah. My God. beard was actually dark. <laughs> that's why I shaved my face. That's hilarious. No but that's kidding. cool. Yeah, Outdoor, but then. Outdoor Nationals so the cool thing is, is that uh, the target archery world is wrapping up in the next 60 days. Yeah. For the most part. Pretty much all over the country, all disciplines. Yeah, because we got that one, the Outdoor Target Nationals, or for. Mm-hmm. Uh, NFA or yep. NFA, uh, USA Outdoor Target Nationals. Yeah, yeah. but we then the NFAA Outdoor Target the week prior to Outdoor Nationals for USA. Oh yeah, the yep, yeah, outdoor crazy. field. And yeah. then busy, busy, busy. End of August is the first Dakota and Outdoor Target. Yep. So hopefully after that's over, you know, no secret, it's been slow in the shop. It's been a crazy summer this year. Yeah. Year, you know, Dave, even talking to you about it. I mean, have you guys seen? From an industry standpoint, is it is it a little slowdown, a little tick down, or is it going to? You think it's going to recover this fall? Yes, it's absolutely going to recover this fall. Um, you know, it's hard to say nationally because I don't cover the nation, right? But I would say what I think we're seeing a lot of is uh, retailers are doing okay. They're getting going in July, and and customers are shopping, and things are going okay. It's it's a little slow right now, but it should be expected when we come out of what they're calling the new normal in a post-COVID sales yeah. cycle and all this. You know, if <laughs> right. we go back to 2019, 2020, and this is not uncommon to have yeah. April, May, June, until after July 4th be crickets. That's yeah. just tournament shooters are all that's playing and everybody else is staying home. Absolutely. Uh, I think it compounds with uh, inventory levels from last year carrying over to this year and slowing retailers down from ordering from manufacturers. Right. And so manufacturers might think it's a little slower than it really is at the retail level. But uh, I think inventories are starting to run skinnier in shops and guys are starting to look at their walls and going, hey, it's almost time for things yeah. to pop off and I got to have product in here. And yeah. it's going to hit us all real hard, real fast. And yeah. uh, we'll find out what the new normal is. Man, I hope you are right because it um, that's the crazy thing. As soon as this target season ends, you know, we're going to be ending around August. Mm-hmm. You're two months away, one month away from uh, Western Mountain Hunters starting to hit the mm-hmm. mountains and elk season in September. Yeah. Um, hell mule deer opens up I think in Utah Idaho in uh, mid-August mm-hmm. so the hunters yeah Utah the hunters will start mid-August mid-August yeah the, the west will start off sooner yeah but then it'll it'll be you know 
it'll be busy hopefully yeah. coming I mean, up that's even, for that that's October. even normal for us after yeah. mm-hmm. once we get about halfway through july stuff starts picking up all the yeah. customers that we trained good enough to start coming in and get their shit taken care of more than <laughs> two weeks before their trip yeah, yeah. Exactly. start coming in anyways exactly <laughs> so yeah we hope the uh that we'll see a big turn because it's kind of weird because when that target season closes out and everybody switches into hunting mode for about three months you know it'll be going it'll be all bow hunting Yep. basically september october november and then we'll we'll Sprinkle be getting back indoor. into indoor season yeah to roll in which would be nice but yeah it's been a been a crazy weird year i think the other problem we've got is and i've seen this at least being as old as i am the we're getting ready to run into an election year and that'll be interesting to see what happens during that time frame um, my gut's always said the election year is really gets your sales flat people are just holding on to see what's going to happen who's going to mm-hmm. you know, who's going to be elected what's mm-hmm. going to happen I was seeing some TikTok they had on the other day. Somebody had posted about Trump versus Biden and who's winning what states, and it was nauseating to watch that. Yeah, it just makes makes me. Guys, yeah, kids in their Tic Tac. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Stick to dancing videos. <laughs> exactly. Stay out of the politics. But no, and, uh, that we'll see that happening, and then so we'll probably end up, you know, as a show, we'll be looking at more hunting related podcasts moving forward here yep. as we wrap up target season and stuff. Well, you've and got which, a elk expo coming up yeah we got an elk expo we're doing here at the shop on july the 22nd um which hopefully will be a go, got some great feedback a lot of attendance um, guys coming in for that um and that's that'll help us kick off that season for us because we're trying to get our elk hunters in here you know a lot of people don't realize and know this but we are definitely a western mountain honey shop in south texas um, we got guys come from all over to get their setups because you know i've said it for since i've been open you you, you you can go build, shoot a bull elk with a good white tail bow, but mm-hmm. you know you're not giving yourself every advantage. So we like uh, you can take a great elk bow and then kill anything you want on planet Earth. It's a big yeah. animal, huge animal. So I don't know, but Dave, you did kill two years ago. You shot the quest for everything, didn't you? I did shoot the quest so awesome. two years so ago. Robert just shoots because. the quest because. What's funny? We had a we had a prime dealer summit down in uh, down in South Texas, and Dave rolls in with the quest. I was like, what? This guy's, you know, reps prime. He can have mm-hmm. any bow he wants. And uh, you dropped, we got it on video actually. Right? I got that one on video. You dropped that one dude at a bomb, like 65 yards. <laughs> oh, man. It was awesome. Um, but because point being, the reason I brought it up is that you can kill with a more, with anything, mm-hmm. less expensive, you know, cheaper model bow. Yeah. It, you don't have sure. to have flagship. No. For sure. It's more about the Indian. A hundred percent. People you, love to blame the bow, but it's usually the Indian. Well, you know, it's funny you say that. Or it's the nut at the end of the handle. Yeah. I don't know if you got you. You probably haven't seen it, Dave, because I know you don't follow it. But something I wanted to talk about a little bit, we'll go back to target archery a little bit. Um, Levi and about, what, half a dozen guys were shooting tar- hunting bows. Oh, shooting hunting bows. Hunting bows last. <laughs> now, I, they were, Jaybird, I'm not lying. He no, was shooting, I know. He was I, shooting that phase I just, 4 three. Shooting the phase, phase I just four. went back to that. That meme with that the meme video. with uh, what's his name? A, nobody shoots a nobody dog. Yeah. yeah. Oh, they, he's gonna get blasted on that one. Um, I don't think it boded well for him though in the shoot off. He didn't do well. He got. Oh, I didn't even watch. I didn't oh, even watch shoot offs. I fell asleep and like fell asleep ugly. in the truck driving home. Yeah, it, I wasn't driving when I fell asleep. No, you were. You I was were about right. to rethink every trip I'm gonna take with you. <laughs> you think? Do you think there's any traction in that? Or you think that's just a phase? What the bow thing? Yeah, uh, I mean, dude, guys have been doing that for a long time. Yeah, I mean, hell, I haven't Andy, seen it though in a while. McCarthy, Andy, Dan yep. did it for a long time. He shooting eighty, oh, seventy pound bow for a while. 
Oh, he's always shot 70. No, he's something. Like, he, he, he shot, shot 80 with that TRX 36. Yeah. yeah, two years ago when they came out with the 27s, he was struggling getting his 26s to fly. So he took his, uh, he got some 80 pound limbs for his TRX and mm-hmm. shot 27s out of it so yeah. he could get enough speed. Exactly. Because that arrow's so damn heavy. But I mean, he's hell, a pretty Jack, decent archer. He's pretty, he's <laughs> yeah, pretty he's okay. Right. Yeah, he's all right. Uh, Jack <laughs> was shooting a Veracity. A lot yeah. of guys shooting the veracity from Dart. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Aaron McGladdery sure. won with a Ventum. Yep, she's yeah. been shooting that all year. Yeah. yeah, you're seeing a lot of it's weird. I don't know if what that's going to mean for target archers if they're going to. I don't <laughs> think it, it'll be Nothing. interesting to see. Is there going to be an uptick? The target archery community will start dabbling in that. I think you'll see more. Yeah, but I mean that guys have been doing that for a long time. Yeah, I got six always days. been doing that. Six days to change into two target two hunting bows. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. No, no, that's pretty wild though. I yeah. thought that was pretty wild to see all the guys that had changed that when Levi did it. I thought that was. Strange. I mean, it's just like everything else. I mean, Levi's pretty good at archery too. Yeah, just a little bit. And you know, he's going to be able to shoot whatever bow well. And if somebody else has confidence because they say, "Oh my gosh, this bow shoots so good," and you know, it doesn't really matter what type of bow it is, if you have confidence in it, you're probably going to shoot it pretty. Yeah, pretty exactly. decent. Um, hey, let's put Dave on the spot. Yeah. What do you got? What's the new bow? Go for it. What, are you guys, are you, everything about it. Are you, are you guys going to build a target bow? It's made out of uh, recycled uh, <laughs> space shuttle material. <laughs> it's going to weigh 7.4 ounces. There you go. Uh, nice. Adjustable holding weight from 104 down to 25. <laughs> and draw lengths from 2 to 41. There you go. No, are you Cow seriously? Man. You guys gonna build a target bow? You're building a Genesis? Do you know? <laughs> yeah, from Gillingham to to baby. Yeah. Um. You know, we got a target bow out. We always keep a target bow in the lineup, and you know, boy, you can circle back to what's a target bow? Is a thirty-three inch bow qualify? Good question. Based on your conversation, now we've got Good three question. of them. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's interesting to think archery thirty-eight inches used to be a short bow. Yeah. Not mm-hmm. too long. Well, Scott shot one. I guarantee you. Oh was yeah. As tall as him. Without a doubt. So Huge. there's, you know, what's, what is that? Now we got 29 inch bows for hunting bows. Does that make a 34 inch bow an indoor bow? Yeah. Good question. Good yeah. point. I mean, it's just, it's, it's all fad shit. What do you so, shoot best? What do you have the most confidence in? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think it's a lot more about confidence and I think guys would pay attention to their actual draw length down to quarters of inches and where they anchor and yeah. what holding weight do they need to continue to shoot well and think you'd have a lot better change than going longer. Dude, this is kind of weird. You listening to Robert's? He's like acting like he actually knows a little bit about target archery. Oh, I can wind back to your first comment on the <laughs> ASA and guys shooting record-breaking scores and have opinions. Oh I can, yeah, I can I can drop opinions. I'm a they, sales rep. I'll tell you what I think. You've been and honestly, you've been in the industry of archery industry for how long now, Dave? About 15 years. Yeah, it's been a while. Mm-hmm. So. It's working for manufacturers and rep groups both. Gotcha. And you've been into archery for that that time frame or any before no, that? No, I think my first bow was a Martin, some kind of cat. Oh, Lord. with an overdraw. That dates him. Yeah. He's and, over 40. Uh, yeah. Yes, sir. That was my <laughs> first one. And uh, I think the first bow I killed an elk with was a TurboTech. No kidding. Uh-huh. And wow. Wasp SSTs. Yeah, there you go. And uh, Those things shot were badass back in the day. 14 yards. No kidding. Mm-hmm. Roosevelt, wow. when I grew up out west. Dave's a man of many talents. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes surprises me. Did you ever shoot target archery at all, Dave? I'm not much of a target archer. You know, I live and breathe it uh, on the work side so much that it, uh, to make it play too was a little too much. And so, and generally yeah. when I go to an ASA or an IBO or a field, or if I'm going to one of those or even a Reinhardt or yeah. uh, whatever you want to call it, I'm there to work. I'm there to yeah. help the 
help the manufacturers and be there to talk to the consumers. And uh, if I'm there as a shooter, it's not really the part of the industry I'm in. Right. So gotcha. uh, when I show up at one of those, I got my work hat on and uh, people have problems with their bows, fix them. Or if they have questions, because, you know, that's their time to play. They're there to play. And if they want to talk to the manufacturer, I'm available. Right. But if I'm on the range, I'm not. Gotcha. So what, question, what do you uh, what do you feel about the new genre of archer out there the total archer challenge guys the tack crowd the tack crowd so um, you've been to a couple of those i'm assuming most yeah texas and oklahoma okay. generally i'm there at those uh, gotcha. as long as i can be you know i think anything that's putting new people in archery is a benefit to archery as a whole uh i think one of the biggest detriments is end fighting in archery when you got trad guys that hate compounds and compound guys that hate hate uh crossbows and yeah guys that think high fence hunting is cheating and guys that say target archers are paper weenies. I'm, I'm all for all us being on the same team and supporting archery and growing the sport no matter how you like to do it, as long as you're doing it. That's well said. Uh, I think it's end fighting on the inside is a pretty bad, bad yeah. situation. So I'm not a target archer, but hey, that's great. I'm there for them and awesome. Yeah, exactly. And that's well said. And because we are, we, we are accused and sometimes guilty of eating our young, you know, for sure. We make fun of the other disciplines that are out there. Hell, mm -hmm. I do it all the time. I make fun of Jason with U.S. <laughs> archery just because. Just because he can't. Exactly. And how many guys you know cross all venues really, really well? You know, it's funny you say Maybe, that. There's only a couple guys. That, it's funny you say it because I've, I've been preaching this since the day I, you know, opened my shop and started a team that you've got to be a pretty special individual to place to play all three games if really you shoot well. outdoor indoor and hunt and you're really excluding field from that at that exactly. point because asa well, and field are two again different outdoor you can just say usa you can just say feed a usa field and asa 3d those mm -hmm. three disciplines i think to shoot all three look at the people that cross over all of them how many are there that compete at the highest level and do it well it's less than five percent it's very short and very short list then a Vegas round on the indoor yeah, that crosses exactly. over to that, you know, yeah. and I think that's where you're getting these guys. You're talking about these record breaking scores in, in K 50 or pro pro. pro, known, class, yeah. pro. Yeah. I think it's awesome. I mean, there shouldn't be anybody that can write a $330 check calls themselves a pro. Yeah. I think there should Agreed. be a handful of guys that can dominate and you should look at that and go, I want to beat that guy or I need to shoot down a class. Yeah, exactly. And I hope somebody, I hope they keep crushing and they're, they're the professionals. They're yeah. the best and that puts Stefan Hansen and guys like that that are tremendous indoor dot shooters traditionally. Well, now they can go play outside and don't have to play yardage games. Yeah. They're going to have a shooting contest. Exactly. That's what it is, actually. It's a shooting <laughs> it's contest. It's a shooting contest. contest. And that's what archery is. You know, yeah. if I want to, I think it's great guys that can judge and shoot both. I think that's really impressive and really awesome. I don't think it proves them to be the best shooter no. if you mix in the judging half. So what kind of contest are we in? Yeah, I agree. With and that. I don't think either side's wrong, though. My same point is both classes are valid. Yeah. And valuable. Mm -hmm. Well, there's so much history and uh, what's the word I'm looking for, but in, in tradition in the unknown class, because it's what created 3D. It was done because it's a hunting class. It's a hunting class. Practice. We did it. It's a practice. So it was why it was created back in the in the late set, uh, early 80s, because we needed you couldn't buy a rangefinder. You could. But that big around as big as a Bible. And it was <laughs> about three thousand dollars back then. I mean, it was ridiculous. Mm -hmm. And you could. It wasn't practical. So judging and it wasn't was a skill set we had to learn to be able to shoot 
deer out of our tree stands from mm -hmm. you know 10 yards to 30 or 40 yards however you want to stretch it and you put glow paint on a little brass yeah, thing that came out exactly. for a pin if you know, I mean, yeah exactly not everybody's tim wells huh? no exactly no that's you couldn't have said that any better so it's definitely a different game and we've got more you know it's funny there's now and you guys probably know this look at how many events you can go and choose from on a month-to-month -month basis if you wanted to shoot on the national level and then even look at your locals yeah there are shoots now overlapping each other and there's just no way around it you can't you know i hear a lot of people bitching well god dang they scheduled over this and they scheduled it's just you're running out of time no, slots. We've, yeah we've tried to schedule we've tried to schedule events for our like indoor tournaments siwats whatever else and like damn there's a there's a lot of stuff going a on a lot every weekend we forgot one that's going on right now this weekend down south oh yeah, yeah that el grande, el grande yeah. people are going to try and shoot all three yeah all three and that's uh, a unique tournament here in south texas we have a a group of guys down on mccallan down the border they run a shoot called the el grande they run uh indoor Tonight's on one day vegas tomorrow's Fita. Fita, and then they run 3d yep so it's mm -hmm. three-day event all three disciplines kind of and it's pretty well pretty well received it's always got a good crowd i just mm -hmm. wish they would move that darn thing into the spring because down in Lare uh, down oh, there dude, where they're at McCallum so right now, it's probably what 104. Well, it's the humidity. Yeah, it's just ridiculous. It's right next to the river and the ocean. So. Yeah, but that I think they're doing the the feed in this big old indoor soccer stadium. Yeah, that they have down there. So oh really? Yeah, that's crazy. Say so, yeah, I know they there used to be one in Iowa called the Iron Man that they used to do that, but instead of a Vegas round, we did outdoor feeda. Uh, a 14 target field half hunter half field and then a 3d round that's pretty cool. pretty cool yeah that was awesome because yeah. and they ran it so it was like a v formation style feed to shoot so you'll you could you it was just rolling start so they never had to worry yeah. about well you know having and, shooting times and, and all that stuff and when but, you do those kind of disciplines like that and you're you're getting like what dave was commenting about you're getting the best marksman at that mm -hmm. point i mean who's who's really the best damn archer and that's to do all three of those well, extremely well, combine them all and make it, you're going to find out who the, the cream of, the cream's going to rise to the top on that one for sure. Yeah. So that's pretty good. But there is there's so much archery now, and that's what's you know, what's crazy too is that the target archery world we we haven't seen that big of a downturn this year, like we've seen in conjunction with post COVID sales numbers. You know, mm -hmm. post COVID sales I think are definitely, you know, I went back and looked at them the other day. My goodness, it was unbelievable how busy we were um, mm -hmm. year year two years ago. In comparison to where we are now so it makes it seem like we're just dead you know you get nervous you start to freak out and then but you look at the target archery numbers the attendance numbers and they're up mm -hmm. they're huge i mean you just got mm -hmm. there there's no stopping that part of it i think i heard 800 and some kids registered pre-registered for iowa right now oh yeah it's almost for a that, thousand kids for that for Joe, almost a thousand kids and that's yep. they, they said it's close you know it's setting a record mm-hmm for sure, it's and crazy. Every use that there's well, been this year has what, been a record, a record crowd. crowd. SoCal was a record. Yep, I think over eight hundred. Every single one. Yeah, how the waiting list for Arizona was like 60, 60 yeah. or sixty-five people or something like that. Yep, and they were already over eight hundred on that mm -hmm. one too. Yeah. So these, are, what's weird is I think that the the sport's healthy. I mean, Dave, would you agree with that? Yeah, and to circle back to what you said, total archery challenge is adding oh. to the health of the sport. Oh my gosh! You know, as what's the turnout for an average ASA? Eighteen hundred to two thousand. I was gonna say just shy of two thousand, probably. I bet that's that's what half of a tack, maybe. <laughs> and how old's yeah. tack? <laughs> exactly. Years. Six years. If, and if, who's it bringing in the who's it bringing to the event? 
all the people that actually spend the pro money. shooters that are there are there to win a truck or yeah. try to win a truck Chris exactly. B or whoever try you know I mean and yeah. that's awesome yeah but yeah. that person is a retail consumer who shops at your store that never ventures to an ASA yep. or an IBO I, or a FIDA okay so as, but they're as, there as a manufacturer I would have have a hard time not wanting to go to attack a, event and over, you're supporting or, people who are passionate about archery and what are they there to win nothing they're there to win an experience and increase mm-hmm. their bow hunting maybe hang out with dudley at the knock on yeah, booth exactly. or go by and visit it's an awesome thing for people to go i don't want to go compete and win maybe because they can't win or maybe because they're just not into practicing but i can go shoot as many targets as i want on a super cool course and hang out with my guys and have fun yeah and this is supposed to be fun so with that being said because you you know this is this is one we talk i think we've talked about this in a prior podcast uh, regarding the tech guys i think you said it bridger the the average consumer at a tech event i mean for the most part is paying full retail value for his equipment and stuff the average guy that's shooting an asa event Oh, I, how much? How much? I'm in the top three in my shooter <laughs> of the year in the K40 class in 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 Wyoming. Uh, will you give me a release at a discount? Yeah, exactly. No, seriously. I mean, because I was talking to and Dave. I'm not, I forget who I heard this from, but I was talking to a, a rep one time, and they were talking that if you look at target archery as a whole for a manufacturer, it's a loss leader. I mean, they don't make money on that on that market segment that they happen to service. Mm-hmm. Because you know the, the target bows are extremely over, you know, extremely expensive. I'm going to say overpriced, mm-hmm. but expensive. Um, the average consumer is probably not paying that full retail value for that bow. They're getting it through either a used market or on a discount because it's a year old. Who knows? Like, um, on a staff shooter discount, you know, as a field staff member. So, what's the true value of that market really like, and how can you turn that into dollars on the other side of the fence? And that's I think the the magic sauce or recipe that every manufacturer probably struggles with and i think and dave like he was pointing at himself on it was you that said that um is there a really? question in there somewhere? Yeah, but, but really is i mean in your in your opinion <laughs> is it a necessary evil what's that what, the target the target archery community for a manufacturer i i don't think it's a necessary evil because it's a passion for so many people that there's a market clearly i mean we have right. a podcast about it we're sitting here talking about it with a professional right. shooter who, yeah looking at his jersey right yeah, now exactly. i mean there are guys, uh, and I think that we've created our own situation with shop shooters, staff shooters, pro shooters. You know, there's, and I don't blame those guys for getting what they can get and shooting at a level they're passionate about it, and it's got value to the shop that it adds sales and it does things. There's, everybody's got value, right? But uh, as a manufacturer, I would tell you, and and I, this is not Prime, who I work for now, right. In any way, shape, right. or form. Right. So I want to give it a qualifier that I'm not talking about their business. Exactly. But I do know there was a manufacturer not too long ago. I had a conversation with several years back that uh, by the time they gave out their professional shooting bows, paid their contracts, staff shooter bows, demo bows, every bow out there, they lost $10 per target bow made. Yeah. And I won't tell you who it was because right. there's 40 bow companies out there and exactly. you, you can't guess it. Right. And it's not necessarily somebody I've even worked for. Right. But I, it was a, it was a lost leader but that doesn't mean it's not a bad investment to that guy because you don't you can't quantify if that same guy's kid or wife or friend bought that brand of bow because they were shooting it. Mm-hmm. Correct. So it's it's so a direct line loss leader, but in a in a marketing world, is it? I no, say it's I, not. I I would always consider it to be like marketing. That's marketing dollars it's a marketing because you're, yeah. If you're if I'm Matthews and I'm paying Levi X amount of dollars to shoot my bows, 
that's everything that he does is content that I can use to sell more of my bows. <laughs> it's so, I mean, it, it, you can paper. See. It's a loss. Yeah. But you know, it's potential on un, unlimited, uh, uh, media content in the accounting department. It's a loss in the mark, but it's Correct. in the marketing department. It's an unquantifiable win. You have to make a judgment call mm-hmm. on what's that guy bring in ultimately. Yep. And, uh, you know, Levi's name gets thrown around a lot because he's one of the best shooters in the world well, and a hunter yeah, and just, a promoter. He's, he's an easy one. He's a yeah. the perfect uh, and he's a heck of a great guy. A, yeah, yeah. Um, so he's you know nobody's got much bad to say about a right. great guy who's a great shot. But you know what's his value? I'm pretty sure it's whatever it's worth Probably it to Matt. They're paying. Pretty At sure least they're whatever they're job. paying him. Yeah, <laughs> you can bet so, your butt on that. But you know, we I look at him as a as a rep. If I'm if I'm taking care of somebody with a bow uh, and I'm hooking them up as, and they're telling me what they're going to do, I have questions for them that are my qualifiers and it's not a shooting resume somebody puts together. Right. I want to know one of my number one questions, what shop do you hang out at and spend time with? Cause mm-hmm. if I'm giving you a bow where, Oh, I could help you sell so much product. All my buddies will buy one. Great. What shop do you hang out at? Where are you going to send them? And some of them don't have an answer and they're disqualified and some right. do. And it's great. I call the shop owner. And I've got, well, that guy, I think, bought a bow from me three years ago, mm-hmm. but I don't know him. And some guys say, that guy's in here all the time. I mean, what's the value? Because if I give you one bow, you have to generate 10 new sales to break even. Right. Mm-hmm. That's not a guy who was already going to buy my product. That's a guy who was going to buy another brand that switched and bought one of mine because of you 10 times. Now I'm flush. Now 11, we're a little profitable. So there's, it has well, to create. And th- those guys, I would argue, are probably more worth it on the manufacturer side than, you know, somebody like me or Levi. Oh, or no, you're, or a ter- you're a terrible because, use of money. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but as far as like kid. how, what your investment is versus what your potential return is. If you, if you, you know, say with, when you were with prime, if you sent Scott a bow or Scott called you and said, Hey, I've got so-and-so as a staff shooter, they really want to get on. Is there any discount you can give me on a bow whatever? So say you guys, you know, you send us a bow at a discount for that, staff shooter mm-hmm. you know it costs you you know 300 or x amount of dollars whatever it is i wish it discount. only cost 300 well, yeah. I mean, you know whatever it <laughs> yeah, costs whatever you x amount is. of dollars yeah. you know the full value of mm-hmm. a bow that much of an investment's a hell of a lot less with a probably a much larger chance of return and then some then you writing a ten thousand well, dollar check to one guy to shoot your bow on I'll, an actual I'll level. You, I'll give you an well, example. Bridger's that. not giving himself enough credit though, because he also works at a shop. Yeah, and exactly. so he can impact sales directly. So there, and he does. He's I can a, tell you. you know, he's and yeah, he absolutely. Does. How many times have I tried to get Bridger to and switch to my stuff? Exactly. <laughs> Only every time I come well, in. Well, you know, and I'm going to tell you what Bridger's talking about, and you want you want to dig into the weeds a little bit in that. I I just got done getting a a uh, I had a guy come in a video producer guy. Um, really talented, had done a short little snippet video for me to show his talents, and he's amazing. Um, and then when I, and I've done this twice now, I've gotten two different quotes from two different guys to manage and look at social media content to cover Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, um, to do video content that we can do for YouTube, to do commercial type stuff like that to help market the shop. Um, I, I will tell you this, on both of those quotes, the amount of money I have invested in my shooting staff that I would give money to that, that and these guys, part of their deal with us is they have to make so many posts, um, have our product, have our, our logo on either hat or jerseys or whatever, have social media presence as part of the contract they have with us. Um, and what's awesome about it, that 
in itself is more valuable than the number and that I could literally cover half my shooting staff mm -hmm. at 30 people compared to that quote to get that guy to do it on a professional level. So then you have this whole thing. Do I help impact people, individuals, uh, lovers of the sport, mm -hmm. or do I go hire a, a professional institution marketing dollars wise to do the kind of do the same work? And I, I've invested my money into the people. And you got to manage your budget. And I'll say this, our field staff, pro staff, and professional shooting staff are absolutely invaluable to us. And we value them and we support them. And I don't want anything I said about no, no, you know no, that no, to, no. to put them down if they're listening because we, we support them because we love them and their family and they help us and it's all it well, all works together. But at the same time, I think it's tremendous ambition for everybody to want to get onto a shooting staff and onto a pro staff and be a partner with a bow company. Mm -hmm. That's great. It just takes work. It's not they here's, it's not, here's your stuff, go yeah, kill something and exactly. send me a picture. It's, no. It's a relationship well, that has to be mutually beneficial. Yeah. I mean, I, I will say it's hard for her. Don't, don't just go in and say, I want to get on a shooting staff. I remember being like 10 years old and seeing dudes at the, at our IBA fall festival that had white pro staff jerseys on. Oh God. And Dude, I don't was get like, me started on that. No, <laughs> they had pro staff jerseys. And I told my dad, I'm like, I'm going to have one of those one day. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, seeing somebody in that position can also put some, you know, yeah, give somebody no else some inspiration it, we, with it. But, but the, on the flip side of that, and I'm going to go down this rabbit hole because I'm passionate about this. Oh no! The, the number of patch pirates in our sport. No, yeah, nobody makes me wants to sit there and you know, where's oh my thirty percent discount? Blah blah you know, blah. And that's what yeah. well, that's what people don't get. So like, and I don't want to call it the manufacturers. And I can't wait till we change the name of this show so when we get, I can we can get unhinged <laughs> a little bit because it drives me insane that. Well, I'll use Elite as an example. Elite sells a bow to you. They throw an Elite hat in there that costs them about two bucks. Um, the the guy buys the bow and then he you know if he's if he's a social media darling he puts his elite hat on everywhere. Mm -hmm. um, he hashtags elite on every social media thing, and all he did was buy a bow and got a free hat. Yeah, it is the most amazing marketing program that any manufacturer can do when they give you a free hat. Yep. And we as and we jersey. and Hoyt you get a free jersey and, mm -hmm. and you can even go online and buy jerseys, which Correct. that blows my mind. Yeah. That people in our industry will and this is a part of our industry that needs to change or <laughs> never going we're never going to be elevated as a true sport. I always bring up the bass fishing. You want a little piece of my lapel it's 5 grand. Mm -hmm. I don't put it on there. I'm I'm fishing in a white t-shirt. I'm not wearing Rapala or Shimano. If you're not paying me to talk about your product, I ain't talking about it. I'll go out there and fish with it all day long, but I'm not gonna talk about it. Mm -hmm. We as archers, we are patch pirates. We are egomaniacs and we run across the country. It's like when you go to, let's give you an example. Go to an ASA shoot, 1800 shooters. How many Matthews jerseys you see in an event? I bet you have a thousand jerseys. Ninety-nine 99% of the people at those shoots, kids, bare bow, every, everybody. 99% of the shooters at that. Well, ninety nine percent of the people there are wearing a manufacturer's a correct jersey That's what I'm of saying. some sort. And of that, how many of them are truly getting a value from the manufacturer to have that jersey on? I think it's less than twenty percent. I'll push back on you. I, I'm a, I, I think you sound like a disgruntled professional. It's every, nuts. every single guy I get in my jersey, and if he bought it, even better, because they put themselves on the team, and they're a loyal supporter. And Hell yeah, dude. Yeah. Yeah. They're my guy, and, I and I'm not making fun of them. I'm serious, you guys who bought your jerseys. Rock them. Wear them. Be on the team. And well, then go win, go, win a, go win a big tournament 
if tell you, us you want to you want to get paid to be on the team now. Yeah, if Go you're a it. manufacturer, why Jump wouldn't in. you want that to be the but situation? I, I, they do. The they manufacturers money, want that. You make money off of the bow that the guy buys. You make money off of the jersey that he's and you wear. both win because now he's wearing your jersey proudly exactly. and he's happy about it. Exactly. I'm not mad at that guy. I love that guy. No, you uh, manufacturers love that. I'm not. I'm disputing that. I'm bringing That's the controversy to the podcast. No, I think it's good. No, I think it's good. I mean, both sides of it makes sense as as a professional shooter like i don't know and so why aren't just, you maybe isn't stay. the right word but like uh, having some sort of being defining the club, factor, in the club some defining factor to work because like i mean granted i haven't like won a bunch of tournaments okay, let anytime me ask you recently this. but like i've done a lot of stuff that a lot of other people that have yeah, and there's dudes have. walking around with the same shit same <laughs> fucking jersey i got on i can go buy an aaron judge yankees jersey and wear it anywhere i want that, that is true but That's you can't go buy true. a bridger deaton jersey nobody's gonna no, wear nobody's that. selling those but I could buy. Well, why don't, then why don't? Okay, so make Mr. some. Mr. Manufacturer here. Do you think Aaron Judge makes those jerseys? No, he does not. Nope, the Yankees do, and the Yankees are making money so off Mr. every Ma- sale. Mr. Manufacturer here, why aren't you Just, making money off of your professional shooters? You're not shooting time? a prime. Well, I'm, uh, this is a rhetorical question. <laughs> I love it. Rhetoricals, and I don't have good. to answer. Yeah. Or hypothet- hypothetical. Hypothetical. There, we there go. you go. That's good. I like that. But you know, I mean, it, it's marketing. It's it circling right back it's to marketing, a, and every one of those guys should be a guy that y'all love because they're spending money in the archery industry to be a participant. Right. No, and I agree with that. It's, but I will say because I've been on the other side of the fence in the fishing industry, where we took a stand in the '80s and said, "You're not paying us. We're not wearing it." You know, we don't we don't we don't wear product to to basically advertise for free when we were desperately trying to elevate the sport to a national level. So that's status. the line, right? That's that the, the line, line between amateur and professional. 100%. You want to declare yourself a professional, exactly. pay me to wear your jersey. Right. And if nobody pays you, you go shoot in a white t shirt and that's your right until yeah. somebody says, I'll give that guy money. But to you wear, my wear shirt. the wear the Ricky Bobby Panther t shirt. Yeah. The but year, you know what, year what's I cool shot without a contract. But here's show what's up cool with Cougar that. in the car, man. Well, and here's what's cool about that though. You can't go online and buy like a Yamaha fishing jersey. You can't go online and buy a Strike King jersey. They don't sell them. The only way you get that is if you were on a pro staff level contract and you're getting paid. Well then it would need to be a two different two different types of jerseys. Which, literally all it have to be yeah are. yeah but you know give what's funny a, in the fishing they just don't do it they just don't do well, it i know but i can still go on yamaha's website and buy a yamaha t-shirt yeah. i can and go still go on, on rapala i can still you, go on rapala's website and buy yeah. rapala apparel t-shirts you can yeah I was, I was, but like absolutely. i'm saying like have if yeah. you want it to be you know just because they you're you don't want them to have a certain type of shirt just have a different fucking shirt yeah no i agree if you could look at if you go into the fishing right now ben milliken's like the hottest commodity and he's from texas and he's if you go online go google him sometime he's on the tour right now qualifying for the elite series and he's killing it the guy's mm-hmm. amazing winning tournaments but he's um, he's also kind of like the anti-establishment dude got long hair hippie he's hair john daly of dude he is wears uh knee-high socks like red and he's got like i think it's like team 86 on his jersey he wears and i forget mm-hmm. what it stands for something hilarious and he literally won't do it and because he's not going to sign a contract until he makes it big and then he's going to sign a big one yeah huge one and right now there are tons of guys going after him the manufacturers and he's like nope not doing it until i get he's to where i want to be his he's stock driving the stock price up like nobody's business he's going to make it huge well and he'll if, be uh, somebody big next year in the sport and making he'll never not hurt for money ever because the way he's doing it and it's awesome because he, now he's got this following like the guy's non-sponsored by anybody because he won't wear their stuff i'm talking about an unwrapped boat mm-hmm. and they say he's got more 
spectators following him during a tournament than even the top pro, the, you know, Jacob Wheeler or Kevin yeah. Van Dam. More guys following him than them because they love that that anti-establishment well, guy. He's well, fresh meat. Everybody's oh, yeah. He's a new guy. We had it in archery a couple of years ago when the CEO went and won the Yep, I was going to say, it's, we've seen, uh, I mean, not to that level, obviously, because yeah. we ain't making that much money shooting <clears throat> carbon, carbon sticks, sticks yeah, but like uh, Tim Hanley, yeah, yeah, like you're saying, CEO at Black has even button-down plaid shirt and yeah. the rest it. of that year he shot without jerseys. He shot war. Jake Kaminsky mm-hmm. did that one year at the Outdoor Nationals in Columbus. He mm-hmm. made... I think he was in between contracts or he wasn't with Hoyt anymore. Yeah. That boy, boy came out with a pair of black champion gym mm-hmm. shorts and a white t-shirt. No lie. I was like, holy crap. Oh, and I, that was his year he, between Hoyt and one and win I think. Yes, and it was hilarious because he's like a Dude, I wanted, I wanted Bob, or, well, I guess I hadn't met you guys yet, but the year, uh, I think it was 19, 2019 or something, before I had signed with Elite, I wasn't like under contract. Yeah, you were I wanted to buy, I wanted to show up to the texas shootout wearing a the panther <laughs> panther shirt just says me yeah from like ricky bobby <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> that's hilarious you need to watch some more movies yeah no this, this all that's a do. great movie him and jaybird the, talk about movie quotes like all the, the time the scene in the bar where uh what's her name's pumping him up is probably one of the best pump up scenes in any competitive style movie <laughs> or movie about any type on, of competitor is this on what movie uh, Talladega Nights. Or uh, what's that? I can't that. even remember that. You've that never seen it. I've never name. seen it. Oh, her oh dude! I I watched that bar scene before a shoot off, and I'm like <laughs> ready to run through a wall. Oh my gosh! I crazy. just watched the uh, training montage to Bloodsport <laughs> right before I go shoot. <laughs> of uh, Claude, Claude Van Damme. Oh yeah, it's yeah, hilarious. You know, I'll sit there yeah. and try and stretch myself with ropes my legs don't hurt but you know <laughs> stretch my arm yeah <laughs> grab koi fish grab koi fish out of the pond with my bare hands yeah there you go no but it's kind of cool because but you guys have a great staff prime you know a couple of the guys that we shoot with that i love uh calvin gross is just one of the gentlemen of the sport mm-hmm. i mean he's amazing i love the guy sean vincent um, Cal- that poor dude was sicker than a dog on sa- calvin saturday was? yeah he was hurting uh, really that he sucks. said he was hurting on Hell saturday a shooter and a, what a what an amazing guy calvin is just awesome tim chekorowski is another one that mm-hmm. we enjoy he's a great guy Lindsay christensen was in here mm-hmm. what three or four months ago came down here to hunt with courtney yeah, yeah, we have um, really good shooters. You got it, good st- good staff, and it may be almost a flaw of ours that we shooters become family, and uh, you know we we stop looking at it as much as business sometimes in a great way because it's it's part of the team, part of the family. So we're very blessed to have very good shooters who are good ambassadors of the sport. Which I don't think you have to be podium spot one, two, three to be no. a great ambassador for the sport uh, and for the company you work for. And there are guys who finish on the top of the podium who I think are lousy ambassadors for their, oh. other, other than being a champion, which 100%. is great. Yeah. You know, they're not, you know, so yeah. we're, we're very lucky to have a very good staff. Yeah. You guys well, do have a good staff. What I always thought was cool. That you guys did with prime was you guys always had like, or, uh, like staff event deals, like in Vegas every year, prime always did a, oh, yeah. like a prime night. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Always prime did night. like a prime team shoot. Yeah deal shit like that like any other manufacturer i've done we've never really done stuff like that yeah well but it gives you a more of a, well let's you know g5 environment g5 is the five kids for the graces, graces. And, and it's so they have a family environment as a manufacturer yeah. and I, you know 
they they do it right from that standpoint and, and they're involved matt and nate uh, grace are very involved with the company they don't just own it as an investment thing and somebody else is running it they're right. on the phone calls they're in the meetings they're making it nate's the engineer matt's running sales and market i mean right. they're like they're it. hands on with that company that down down to design i yeah. mean they didn't mm -hmm. hire guys to do it they're involved in it and right. uh, i think that's what makes part of the special sauce and making that bow something more than anybody could go out and hire people and build it and and uh and then go try to sell it no this is this is their product that yeah. means something thanks i agree so when are they bringing back the two cam when are they bringing it back <laughs> how many you want dude i just uh, i love the two cam system i just don't it was a, a kind it was a unique a thing kind. it was two of a kind <laughs> it was uh it was a yeah it was a unique product and it served its purpose well and put them on the map and uh you know, I think that's partially been our failure in really getting the word out on what the one cam does nationally um, and that it's accomplishing the same thing in lining up the cables and the strings into a straight line where your cable tracks are actually sucking the cables in yeah. on the cam where most bows, when you pull all other bows, when you pull it back, it's pulling your cables out oh, away from your well, string, which right. is why people are tailored. Uh, Camly. Yeah, causing cam lean and having twist yokes to time up cams or run yeah. spacers, and ours is actually getting straighter and straighter to full draw, which is exactly what the two cam do, did right. was eliminate two cam, four cam, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. It eliminated cam lean, so you didn't have that. Well, it's a brilliance of engineering. It doesn't look the same. So right. aesthetically, you're going, oh, they're at a one cam. Yeah. But if you understand the technology, it's a more efficient way of doing the same yeah. thing. Well, I can tell you, string makers As love a it. string builder, I was going to say, as a string builder, I love the new cam system. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It takes me half the amount of time to build a string. Yeah. As a string builder, I bet you Eric Griggs would probably say, like the old ones, he got to charge more for strings because there's 47 pieces. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I'd much rather make 20 less dollars and work three hours less. I think, I think if people took the time to understand what the uh, cam on the RevX does and how it works, and if they understood it did the exact same, accomplished the same goal in half as much material, who doesn't mm -hmm. want a, an engine or a, anything that is more efficient using less? Yep. That's the goal. Yeah. More power with less energy. That's that's it. Yeah. Well, yeah. and I mean, just like you guys are going to have growing pains going from the four can or the you know oh. the four by four four wheel drive bow to the two wheel two wheel drive. I mean, Matthews sure. for the longest Matthews Matthews solo cam? solo cam when they switched <laughs> to that switched their oh yeah man when they switched to the dual harness system dual and everything yeah. like it took forever for people to finally start growing onto that. And so. here's the deal. If you're going to grow, you have to adapt and change and you don't exactly. want to be reactionary. You want to be proactive, not reactive. So our choices are continue down the same road, keep our loyal customers and keep doing what we're doing or reach more of the market and advance and, and modernize. And this was the way forward. So they made a choice to say, we're a long-term forward thinking family owned company. So let's go. It's time to make the jump. Yeah. Uh, and it'll go. It's just going to take time, and uh, well, it, it's I mean, doing it's really well. It's there. People love the bow once they get into it. It's, yeah, just, it's just educating the consumer base, and it's really the, the only guy is the old four cam guy that has a problem switching to it. Yeah, the number of <laughs> PSE, Hoyt, Matthews, Bowtech, two cam, dual cam, hybrid cam, solo cam shooters that will like, now shoot our product. I was going to say they're probably a lot has more skyrocketed. It's only the mm -hmm. four cam guys like Scotty here that go, oh, I want the old cam and I don't want anybody to have my jersey. <laughs> All right, bro. <laughs> no, Still I am. I, ain't a lie. I just, I love the, I don't know. I just looked at it differently. I looked at it the, 
I mean, it was cool because it was, it was an individual thing. Maybe like, we should have gone to six camp. You Matthews look. went to eight limbs. Yeah, That's no right. kidding. <laughs> no, you could look down the line and find a prime instantaneously. You could, you know, I could you go. Can now. Have I you ever seen look. a RevX, like the, the RevX 6? That thing's got more cutouts in it than the Brooklyn Bridge. Riser <laughs> swerves. <laughs> exactly. That cool colors. Yeah. I will say that scar on the Nexus 6. I think Benton was shooting one in... Uh, the Morel scar or the Ridge yeah. Rock? Yeah, we have two years worth of scar. I don't know. I don't know which one it was. The more brown one. That was the Morel, and the it Morel, was uh, that, dude, it was outstanding looking. It dude, still that is. thing looks slick. Bro. Yeah. I do like that that camo pattern. Yeah, the scar looks. I love the scar. It's my favorite. You know, people camo. like unique camo, and it's not branded. It's our deal, and it, yeah. it's uh, they go. It doesn't matter if you're a Kuyu guy, a Sitka guy, or yeah, a Mossy Oak guy, oh. or a Real Tree guy, or a red flannel T-shirt guy. You can shoot Scar. Yeah, yeah. exactly. See, and I liked it because it, it reminds me a lot of the old Mossy Oak Bottomland. It, yeah. Oh, it, yeah. I, yeah. I, it's the, just why, same, for licensing style. reasons. I'll strongly disagree, <laughs> yeah. but it's got a similar style. <laughs> yeah, similer style. <laughs> I liked the. Uh, it reminded me of the old Vietnam era Tiger. Yeah, camo, the Tiger, tiger style pattern, camo. Yeah, tiger pattern, which which my dad wore, and of course because of that, my grandfather wore. I, yep. Nostalgic reasons, it was cool. I mean, probably wearing ASAT still though too. <laughs> you know, you joke. It looks kind of like ASAT in a way. Is, I mean, ASAT, how is that, ASAT even around anymore? I don't know. I don't know, but it's awesome. I know that new Origin camo is kind of not dissimilar from yeah. like the old school tire Tiger ASAT right. type I'm, stuff. I'm a multi cam. Yeah. Give me some multi cam pattern, and I'm. I'm well, happy. yeah, of course you are. U.S. Army, duh. Well, yeah, but <laughs> I went through. I went through quite a few uniforms. Did you really? Yeah, I went through the regular BDUs. The Digi, yeah. Did you were Iraq, right? Afghanistan, Afghanistan. O two. Oh, you were Digi five. Yeah, yeah. That green light tan Digi cam. Oh yeah, yeah. You camouflage right into a parking lot. Like nobody can see me here. Totally blend into the skate park. Exactly. That's hilarious. That's cool. Yeah, but. So what about? So I got another question. What about on the G five side of things? Um, you guys got anything planned for new broadheads, or are you just gonna? The dead meat. So I will tell you, say this from my personal opinion. I think the dead meat hurt more mechanical sale, arch, more mechanical broadhead sales than any other broadhead in the last probably ten years. I think your mega meat. The mega meat. I mean, yeah, excuse me. The, the mega, mega meat. That, that'll was, be the three inch two blade. That thing was or two inch three blade. I still think one of the most devastating broadhead built. Oh, yeah, it's I been really it. good. Yeah. And uh -huh. the, are you guys just kind of ride that train. You got anything new coming out? You think or. I mean, you're always innovating. You're always working. Yeah. Uh, again, part of the beauty of having an owner as an engineer is you have somebody that eats, breathes, sleeps, and Innovation. lives. What am I doing with my family's brand, my brand, our brand, which is awesome. Yeah. Uh, the Mega Meat was, uh, it didn't even start slow. It started off like a rocket and it maintained speed and is still going strong oh, today, yeah. gaining market share. And uh, that broadhead is super sharp and super reliable and shoots super well. It's got a lot of fixed blade guys going, I got to do it. Yeah. Because uh, if a two blade two inch is good, a three blade two inch must be better. Yeah. Uh, there are, to my knowledge, there's no five, six blade uh, models coming. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you're always looking forward, right? I yeah. mean, if you, if you just build something and then ride it till it goes downhill, then again, you're back to being reactive. Right. Oh, we're losing share. Do you're something. Not designing, right. Uh, and that's not a recipe for success. And nope. uh, the graces mm. are very much involved with how can we proceed? Um, so while I can't tell you anything specifically, I will tell you the engineers and the marketing and the uh, R&D teams are always working on uh, 
what can we do to disrupt the market or create a new market? You know, how can we be first to market with something new or how can we disrupt the current market like the mega meat did and said, Hey, expandables can be three blades and gigantic right. and yes. awesome. Right. Still work. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I need a four our, inch mega meat. <laughs> yeah. Make it a perfect it? turkey broadhead. A four inch, four blade. For That's turkeys, a, yeah. We'll write it up. Just cut them, of, in, cut I, them in half. I got a lot of turkeys to shoot. Yeah. There you go. Uh, I so, mean, archery has a habit of, you know, what is old is new again. Yeah. yeah. Scott's a great example of, I want well, old guy complaining, I want my old stuff back. Yeah, no kidding. But, I mean, a lot of the shit we used to use back in the day, you know, was good stuff that just needs, you know, really upgraded. And a lot of stuff in archery is that way. I want to see you guys rebuild the B fit or the B fifty two. Yeah, that was probably my favorite fixed blade broadhead of all time. Upgrade that thing and build me build a new havoc. Boy, you could get a lot of traction around there if you said just bring back the old stuff with new packaging. That's really cheap. I'm, yeah, I'm exactly. in. I'm into yeah, your yeah. ideas. Yeah, I'm yeah, down. You, yeah. you know, charge ten dollars more. Yeah. <laughs> oh, now we're on to another topic. <laughs> now we're on to prices. Um, but yeah, there's uh, there's always something around the corner, and it's not always every year. You got to let a product start out. You got to let it grow into its success, and then you got to measure its success, and then you got to figure out what's working and where you can go yeah not mm -hmm. just where you can hang on uh, and i think you see some companies that have hung on and watch their sales fall and they continue to watch them fall while they hang on and, and without calling anybody out i mean it's you got to continue to be innovative yeah yeah if you're uh, not changing stuff no people aren't going to continue to in, buy your and that's stuff in product equality and in marketing both you got to create something great and then you got to let them know it's there yeah mm -hmm. uh, so we'll put you on the spot a little bit why, why, why stop now? Exactly. Not from a, uh, you're, you're supporting manufacturer, but from an industry standpoint, um, you know, I've watched and we've all seen, um, the ATA show become a little bit less relevant, um, where it used to be every manufacturer rolled out every single new product line there. They're starting to back these, these releases up, uh, you know, hell, we've got some, some manufacturers releasing bows in October, um, which is unheard of. I mean, from an industry standpoint, we rarely have done that. Um, do you do you think that we may, as an industry, get to where we're rolling back our our rollouts for, and be able to hunt with our new model year bows the same damn year they come out? Or are we always going to be in that arrears pattern? Hmm. You know, I think everybody would love to do what you're saying. Uh, I think that'd be a wonderful thing. There's a lot of challenges with that. Um, you know, what you're suggesting is like a uh, May or June bow release for July, August, September there's sales a, and hit the woods, right? Yeah, there's, a, there's a method to the madness and the reason I bring that up. You just said it a minute ago and I agree with you. Our slow times are that April, May, June timeframe. We're dead. If we had a bow, if we had bow rollouts in those three months, you're going to keep shops relevant, helping dealers become more profitable. Mm -hmm. You may be shifting some sales from the last quarter of the year into the mid middle quarter, but I've always thought that man if i owned if i owned a bow company and I, if i had you know unlimited amounts of disposable income and i owned a bow company i'm that guy i'm going to try to reset that i would release mine in may so 100 percent. for fear of turning this into a debate I'll, I'll give you a couple take issue with a couple things you said in a very good way if unlimited resources would be wonderful yeah, but exactly. i don't know of anybody well there may be one bow company that's got unlimited resources and i'm pretty yeah. sure they sold a baseball bat company and made a whole bunch of money right. um and they're but they're you know they're selling a lot of bows but you got yeah. a big problem that okay let's say i release bows today what are you gonna do with all the bows i sold you last year that are still hanging you're gonna look at me and oh, you're yeah. gonna go hey what are you gonna do with these other boys that i bought anticipating selling right now yeah. mm -hmm. 
So I got a big problem there. So now I've got, you've got old inventory five months too early. But isn't that a one-year problem? Okay. How many years can you survive that? If not one. (laughs) No, but what I'm saying is how many years can, it is a one-year problem. Yes. Yeah. But how many years can a manufacturer survive that? Yeah. They're giving up their entire... Now, you're sucking some sales forward, but you're also giving up your entire Q4, mm-hmm. which is uh, when those sales are supposed to hit. And now, what do you do about dating and some of the other stuff so, we play with? And there's it's there's a way to do it, probably, if you do it one month over a time, over a five or six-year period. To do it all at once is devastating oh, no, 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 to too no, no, many no. I don't think No, no, no. I don't think you do it all at once. I, I would say that you're going to see one in my in my dream world... I would like to see one manufacturer jump and kind of say, okay, you know what, we're going to do it. And then I sure. think you'll see some others start to roll. But I agree, the whole industry can't do it because, yeah, you're screwed the whole industry. Or, or well, the hell, if, why, don't, why don't we just go back to releasing them at the ATA show because we're not going to get get the bows till May anyways. You joke. And that, well, that's <laughs> what I was going to say. Yeah, <laughs> that's one of those two <laughs> things they, they that come happen. Out, we don't see them for four months anyway. And, yeah. well, and, and there is the issue with rolling out and like to, to combat what Dave is saying about the, you know, you have a May rollout. I think you're going to help Q4 because then you have that same year bow available for your Christmas, your hunting rush, where now you're waiting a full calendar year for your for that bow to come in because that's when it's going to be relevant. So I don't think anybody, including manufacturers, would disagree with you that there's a better way to do it and we're stuck in an ugly cycle sometimes. Yeah, exactly. Um, nobody wants that cycle we're in. You back it up, you're stocking. So there's three, there's three parts of this equation. There's retailers. There's manufacturers and there's consumers. Mm-hmm. Those are our three people. Yeah. And everybody wants something a little different. You know, uh, manufacturers want to sell the bows quick as they can, get paid as quick as possible. Right. Retailers want to get the bows in. And if you had your perfect world, every, you'd, you'd pay for them after you sell them, which, yeah. you know, that doesn't <coughs> work. and consumers want the bows right when they want them mm-hmm. and at the best price possible. And none of those line up perfect. None <laughs> yeah, of those no, things. Nobody wins on all three. You nope. can't even hardly so, get two of them to win at the same no, time. No, exactly. so you got a lot of challenges. It's easy to think about what would be perfect as a manufacturer. And it's easy to think about what would be perfect as a retailer. And it's and as a consumer, we should all be serving. You and I both should be serving the consumer because they're the ones keeping your lights on and my mortgage paid. Exactly. So I think we need to think about the consumer and then figure out what we can do to help them have the best buying experience at the best time possible but it's got to keep your doors open and it's got to keep our machines on. Right. Mm-hmm. But, well, and you just said the primary thing there. Cause I, I agree that, you know, God, I wish I could share this and I don't want to yet, but I'm going through the same thing right now with an, with, with an individual about this shop that uh, there's, there's belief that the manufacturers are the way to the, to the promised land. It's not that it's that customer walking through the door. That's the guy that needs to be taken care of or you're not you don't exist so your manufacturers are are no offense in my opinion a means to an end um that you could have any four bow manufacturers go out of business tomorrow and the other guys would collect all the sales Mm because all the deal all the consumers would still come through the door archery does not die correct but if every consumer if 40% 40% of the consumers Go quit away. archery. You're screwed. You're done. Everybody Every dies. manufacturer dies. Every manufacturer So, dies. you know, yeah, I, I think the least talked about person in this equation is the end user, and Agreed. they're the most valuable. Agreed. Because you die without them, manufacturers die without them, but they don't die without... If your shop goes away tomorrow... No, they go pick up guns. Every bow hunter... Well, they go, still, well, they go to a different Go find bow another shop. bow shop. If yeah. you go out of business tomorrow, right. every nobody quits archery. Right. If Prime goes out of business tomorrow, we're fine. Don't worry, world. <laughs> but... <laughs> Archery doesn't stop, and no, and and there'll right. be the same amount of bows sold nationwide. Right, exactly. Okay, it's not going to matter. 
But to get to your point, ATA and relevance and bow release times. And it started a long time ago with a, it started in the mid 90s with a couple yeah. guys backing up to not ATA December. Then it ended up November. Then it ended up October. And before you knew it, you had these early bow and it was a race to the pegs. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. you go see the dealer, you get your sales and you get the pegs, you block, you know, you're in first. And when you start doing that backwards, you start expecting that money in that order and that time frame, and, and it becomes an ugly cycle because, yeah. you know, this is not a get rich business. This is a passion business. It that's is. why families own it, and that's why families own companies, and that's why you don't have a lot of holding firms buying bow manufacturers because they look at the numbers and they go, you must really love this yeah. because this is not a get rich quick deal. What happened? Oh, I got to take oh. a leak. I was going to turn oh, my go mic ahead. off. Get your mic off. No, so, you're right. Uh, but, you know, we'd all love a better way to do it. And I think we should always seek a better way to do it that serves everybody. And, you know, you can look at it different, too. Is Sorry, we got a little technical difficulty No, here. it's okay. Jason, but he took Jason offline. <laughs> oh, no, you know, there's just a lot to that. And there's a lot of opinions on it. But right. So you, you, you brought up an interesting point. You'd like to see one company do it. Okay, one company does it. And they go, what, go release in May? Okay. It's not going to change the other guys. They're no. all going to still wait. And now yeah. what's going to happen is they're going to sell their bows in. Okay, but they're not going to collect any sales in Q4 and Q1 and Q2. They're, it's, you know, it's just, it's free market. And that's yeah. the beauty of free market is I can release my bows whenever I want. I yeah. can start releasing in any month of the year I want, whatever's the best business plan. So, you know, it's funny as a dealer, I will tell you what we struggle with and I've seen for the last probably five years is that in COVID especially, this really got to be prevalent. The new releases come out and everybody in the industry, your end user, your consumer knows that they're going to be released sometime in October, November. Mm-hmm. Um, you have back stock from that model year sitting on the shelf because you got to have stock to sell for the Christmas rush. But a lot of people will go, you know, I'm just going to wait maybe and, and see. And then they'll buy their, their bow on their new model rollout and they'll get it sometime in the first quarter of the following year is how it works. Mm-hmm. I think that you, if you do go May, and you get your inventory and you get your forecasting done and you start ramping up production and your bows are already available come November, December, I think that company kills it in Christmas because yeah. that's the issue. The, the, the guys right now, you know as well as I do, rarely will you get, unless you're a massive shop and you get preferential treatment, you get your bow released in October, November, you're probably really trying to take care of the bigger shops to get that your bow in that shop by mid-December to capture those Christmas sales. If you already had it and you've got everything rolling, that's why I think it's such a, and once again, if I owned one, that's what I do. I would take that risk and, and try to make sure that my dealers are fully stocked October, November, December with my new model year bow to ensure that I capture as much sales as I can during that Christmas and that, time. And that's the goal, uh, you know, to have everybody have their product on release. Every dealer of yours that wants product has product on release day. Yeah. That's absolutely the goal. Uh, whether that's achievable or not is sometimes that's a challenge uh, with hard, sourcing yeah. and, and manufacturing and all that goes into that is a, is a bear oh, of a, a challenge. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, I mean, especially the last three, three, four <laughs> years. Yeah, with and things crazy, going but it's, all, it's what world. you want. And, yeah. and that's the goal. So, uh, you know, boat companies don't do it on purpose. No. Nobody wants less turns. Right. Uh, they set aggressive goals. And I, I think people forget that archery is really different than any other industry and in that it's almost a it's a 10 month industry when they when they release that product they're working on next year's stuff because they've got to come out with new stuff so they're yeah. while they're 
while you're building current year product, you're worried about or it's not you worried or next year. It's not like you have a four year cycle where there's tons of time to load up and it just changes so, so gotta, fast. Yeah. I mean, my dad's 270 shoots the same ammo as my 270 and they're 40 years apart. Yeah. Winchester has been selling a model 70 since the 30s. Remington so 700 Winchester. Years old, and you know what? Man. I can buy a best of the West 270 for $10,000 that's still shooting 130 or 150 grain bullet. Mm-hmm. It's just a much better version, but it's the, at the end result that coming out the end of the barrel, that lead, yep. not a lot different. No. So, so, so there's another good question to ask you about that. Technology advancements, are prohibitive to doing what you're saying too. Why do we get into this? When and how do we get into this cyclical, which I think is insanity, of redesigning the new bow every 12 months? Coming out, of the, I think we're like the car, and this is what sucks. I get this question all the time from our customers. You know, why do I lose so much money on my bow? Because it's just like buying a car. You go buy a car, you drive it off the lot, you lost 30, 30% residual value as soon as you pull it off the lot. Mm-hmm. Because that new, that car manufacturer is gonna have a new one come out in nine months. Yeah from the time that you bought that car. And we're in the same cycle with bows. You know, guns hold their value, like you just said. Um, a Model 1911's been around for how long? They, don't, yep. they haven't changed, so that's why they hold their value because you, you may come out with a little different model or whatever, but. It's because you can't improve the technology. Uh, you're not gonna speed up the bullet. You can't improve the technology. So you think like from a gun, it's. So if you compare it, Matt, you 270s, know. you can make them better, you right. can, but you're not improving the end result yeah. of Which a 130 a grain bullet coming out of my barrel at 2,900 feet per second with gotcha. quarter inch MOA accuracy. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Pretty stock or right. half inch MOA or whatever you whatever you want to be at. But a car changes every year. The engines get more efficient. They get more powerful. The, in, the tricked out. I got a Raptor R with 700 horsepower to compete with the TRX. To, <laughs> right. and I'm well, driving a Tundra. Wait a minute. I'm way behind. <laughs> well, I um, guess a, a better question to be then w- or would be then, uh, do you think you'd be able to make better or more uh, uh, technological advancements if you had a two-year cycle? So I think like Hoyt, I think has done a really good job of it with their target bows, which I think is part of the reason that they've always done well, especially internationally on the target market. Now, I mean, obviously they've got, they've had their, their they've name, had their hat right. in the ring for a very long time with all that. But Hoyt has always had a two year cycle on their target bows. Well, They'll do. Running, and, it's running like three or four now for, I mean, now two they years. Ran three, right, two they years. ran three with the Invicta. Three with the Invicta. Um, three with the but, Prevail. Three with the three Prevail. With, or, sorry, that was Prevail. Three with Prevail. But they'll do, you know, one year years. they'll do their parallel limb target bow. So, like, I guess, well, like the no, Altus. I guess they didn't do one this year, but mm-hmm. or nope. do one last year. But, you know, when they came out with the Alpha Max, they did their parallel limb target bow one year and then their standard orientation target bow the next year yeah. and then would flip-flop every other year. So, you know, they were still had a new target bow, but that, particular rendition of it they had two years to work on the next iteration of it like so i don't think to answer your question you started with i don't think you would have better advancements if you gave a two-year gap or three-year or four-year gap i think they would be bigger because you bigger, loaded four years well, worth if or you're two a, years worth if you've got two years more small. work into a bow and you're able to make you know larger changes do you think you're it would push sales a little better though well, so you, as opposed to like if I'm a if I'm a consumer and I bought the inline five last mm-hmm. year, and I come in and look at the Rev X four and I'm like, eh, you know, spec wise, they're an inch difference in axle to axle mm-hmm. and what less than five feet in brace height or less than five feet in speed yeah. change, and other than maybe a slightly different field of the draw cycle, they're a very similar bow. Sure, you know, obviously a new cam, slightly new cam system, new module system and stuff, but. Mm-hmm. 
if I'm a consumer, I see the difference between those two bows, I might be like, yeah, you know, maybe I'll just wait and see what they have next year. Yeah, and, and it's a loaded question because the answer is absolutely yes. You're going to get bigger sales that second year mm-hmm. with a bigger gap in tech and less incremental. Annual releases have incremental improvements with the yep. exceptions of every once in a while somebody comes out with something remarkable. Crazy. Yeah. Right. And they may have been working on it for five years or right, four years right, or right, it might right, be a carbon riser or right. a whatever, you know, Hoyt did with when they first did that or PSE came out with their... Well, the PSC came out the Carbon Riser in the 90s that right. didn't do quite as good. Nope. <laughs> but uh, so, yeah, you're going to have better sales if you have a three year gap and a bigger gap in technology with a bigger leap. But sales is the, but sales is the, are going to drop too much on the off years that it wouldn't be worth it. I don't know, uh, but it could. That's the um, million dollar question. There, yeah, and there's a couple bow companies, and I'm going to stay really far away from dropping names on any oh, yeah. companies, but there's there's companies that uh, release the same technology two inches shorter than the previous year, and then every two years they come out with some new technology, then they ride it for a year with a slight, and you know, there's there's different ways to do it, but uh, it's just not, it just depends, and the goal is to have incremental improvements, and then every once in a while have a big change, so, yeah. you know, you've seen it with our <clears> stuff, you know, you're you had the inline there, you've got the RevX, and then you've had some small incremental changes. And then, you know, you keep improving that product until you feel like you've capped on your improvement and then you have a monumental and you step. Got, yeah. Uh, and I, I don't think you, everybody has done that. You pick a bow company, they're all on a similar cycle. Yeah, every, every, I mean, yeah. ever since probably the early 2000s, God, it's, it's been like You can go that. back to a UF cam oh. on a PSE, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, and it was like, holy smokes, and all of a sudden they're on top of the world. You know, it's funny you say that because I was having a conversation with a customer about this the other day that, you know, I've been in this industry way too long. Um, having shot for every one of the manufacturers at some point in my career, once you get a chance to shoot their equipment for, say, two to three years, those those they rarely deviate off their base bow basically and i mean it it doesn't really change a lot until they make a big change like with hoyt cohen finally going to a binary system hoyt going to a binary that's Matthews a big, big going change. to a before, binary but for how but, long before that the cam and a half system you just knew it you knew mm-hmm. how to tune it you know and no matter what they came out with you could once you learned it you can work on it like mm-hmm. prime forever you know I, I will tell you i think one of the most amazing things they ever did when and i remember talking to matt about it when he they rolled it out the center grip technology mm-hmm. you know been tried by two other manufacturers for failed miserably mm-hmm. um and you guys finally got it right that was a big change in the market you know at that point in time and i think it's put prime accurate. on the map yeah. oh it's i will give prime credit and i don't care what anyone says about this and i will tell you what the hurdle for you guys is and you can take us back to to Brian or whoever. You're telling the world, so I'm go telling ahead. The world. Th- thank well, you for gracing me with your wisdom. Well, knowledge. this is my wisdom, my knowledge. Well, <laughs> yeah. I'm a, I, I built this business on Prime, literally. I remember. Prime. I, I, I remember, too. I built <laughs> this business good. on the back of that bow. Yeah. Um, and, and when everybody told me I was stupid and I couldn't do it, um, you have the center grip technology allows the new archer that comes into the sport and has never shot before it's the easiest way to teach them how to shoot a bow. It's, the most accurate way. It's, they it's can get easy quick. and it's comfortable it's for comfortable, most people. It's simple. That, it's easy. They get accurate. I think they get more accurate quicker because it is so simple. The, with the hurdle I've seen in the customer base that shoots the Prime, how do we retain them? How do they retain and stay in a Prime? Because I see them, they get really good with it, they shoot it, and then we'll watch them branch out to Point, to PSE, to Matthews, to whoever it may be. And I don't understand that. It makes doesn't make any See, sense. Would, Everybody would, comes home to their high school girlfriend eventually. <laughs> See, I, and I would argue that it's that way 
with almost any manufacturer. Yeah. You absolutely. get a new shooter that, you know, they, they come in, stuff. they try a bow, they, or, stuff, you know, yeah. say they come in and buy a Hoyt. Man, I love this thing. Their first three or four bows they buy, if they get really passionate about it, are probably going to be that first manufacturer they bought. Yeah. And then, you know, they're going to be hanging out at the bow shop, listening to me bullshit about something or you bullshit about something. Yeah. And then, you know, go to the ranch and shoot with their buddy who's got a different brand bow and he's going to be sitting there bugging him, bugging in his ear about how yeah. his bow's so much better. Oh, and yeah. Finally, they're just going to say, you know what? I'll, you know, yeah, you I'll try world. something else. Yeah. Let's see what happens. There's nothing new under the sun. You're going to end up with your first bow and it's going to be awesome until you realize you think somebody has something better. Yeah. And then you're going to go on this mission this quest those are both bow names i was trying to go for a <laughs> non-bow name but i ended up one to the other uh yeah. to try to find the best thing that's the coolest and the greatest and yeah. and you're gonna try maybe one maybe two maybe five other brands and you may end up back where you started but right. once you become a bow junkie and an archery guy drop bow junkie man i'm all over the place with name drops there you go <laughs> uh, on accident but you end up uh all the cool names are licensed yeah, you you find where your home is when you become because you don't know what you don't know. Right. You got your first bow because somebody told you this was the greatest thing, and you trusted the guy at that shop. And then you moved to a new town and took a new job and walked into another shop, and they made fun of you. Yeah. And you bought a bow out of embarrassment, and then you didn't, you know, and <laughs> you, you go in a big cycle, and and you end up where you end up. And yeah. and that's part of the beauty of archery. That's why there's so many companies. Right. No, there I, I agree a thousand percent. I just I just know that you guys have a very uh, the center grip is for me is I think one of the most unique and. I think one of the most innovative things in the sport of archery to come out in a I, long time. I remember when that came out and we were, I was hanging out with uh, Braden and Tedford's at ATA show. Yeah. And we walked over to the booth and did that. Cause you guys had the little laser pointer, the laser pointer contest thing. Yeah. And Paul and Aaron both got like a 97 Braden got like a 95. And I pulled up on that thing. I couldn't hold that bow still to save really? my life. <laughs> oh dude, Michael J. Fox would have got a better sport than me. <laughs> Like, and I don't know if it's just cause I was, I, I so mean, I've always had, I always had like a low or below center grip on all my stuff and everything I've shot, but man, I don't know if it was just cause of the bows I've shot in the yeah. past or cause that was so different, but like, I do the best I could score. And that was like an 80, really 80 or an 85. I couldn't yeah. hardly do that thing, yeah, thing but was, it was just so different. And it, I mean, it feels crazy comfortable. So oh, as a, as a newer shooter or as you know, a novice or a, a you know just a weekend warrior type guy like it's easy to see why yeah. people like buying those bows because they do feel good oh, shoot. They shoot, they that feel. revx feel uh, in all reality that revx is probably the best feeling prime that i've shot it's very yeah i mean that's, well, that's target you know why it's it, very similar to a target bow that back I mean, wall's got a little well, bit of give just in the, it i mean it'll I'm, keep you honest and for me it just feels more like home i mean yeah. the back wall feels very similar to a halon style cam system yeah uh, draw cycle feels really good. Like yeah. on the shot, the primes have always had a weird feel to me on the That's shot because of that, extra aluminum. because of their, no the, doubt. the great aluminum you guys use. This one feels a little softer, like just feels Which would softer be more on expensive the shot. than everybody else's aluminum. So mm -hmm. yeah, hundred <laughs> percent pointed out. Yeah. It's no, used, only bow making 8,000 series aluminum. Bows exactly. Yeah. Very exactly. good stuff. Very stiff stuff. And it's hard to manufacture that stiff of aluminum and have it not be like a tuning fork. It takes a lot of work and, yeah. and the way you cut it and the way you design it and cut what you do. But that's a more rigid riser, and, and what do we don't want? We don't want to draw back a no. bow and have the riser flex. That's you the know, worst thing we can have. But And here's what sucks about that, though, because you just said it. We've been drinking this Kool-Aid for decades about quiet, vibration-free, dead in the hand, <laughs> and it, it drives me insane. Uh, I, as an well, archer, I, I always challenge people I, that, that, that tell me this. I'm like, 
Where's your Where is your arrow when you get the that same. feedback? Our Our bow Our bow shoots awesome after the arrow's already out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it doesn't make any sense to me why we get so hung up on that because we've been fed this for decades now. How do we when, sell bows? But I'm gonna tell you how I sell mine. It's how well it aims, how the good the draw valley, how good the valley is and how good the draw cycle is. I want those three things to help because those three things matter before the arrow is not released. It's in the bow. You haven't shot that yet. And if those three things are not equal and not, and you don't do them well, I don't care. Maybe because I'm a target guy, but I don't care if my bow does backflips and vibrates and makes all the noise in the world after I let go of it. But if it hits where I'm aiming, that's all I If I get a, a bow that up. does backflips, I'll go on America's Got Talent. But yeah. <laughs> when you get when you walk into an average archery shop anywhere in the country, and it's not a knock on anyone at all but they say hey i want to try that that bow a there and shoot it great get him set up get it to his draw length get him a release put an arrow in it let him shoot the thing at three yards yep there's only one thing you're testing how's it feel exactly i have no idea how hard it aims how steady my pin is how the bow feels back there if i you know it's so we're teaching people the five foot test your bow if your bow doesn't pass the five foot test it doesn't sell selling bows at three feet yeah yeah and so i mean we're guilty of doing that too and i've always told customers like man the bow that feels the best to you when you're shooting it when you draw back i mean and i tell them to look for the stuff that scott had mentioned you know maybe not how well the bow holds but you know what does the draw length feel like at your specific draw length here that we're trying to get what is the draw cycle how's the let off what's the back wall feel like are you comfortable do you want a little more squeeze you know do you want a little more squish on the back end or do you like this one because it has a limb stop or something along those lines? But, you know, try and educate as much as you can at three yards. Because if, so, if we're busy, like it's just not not really in the cars to take and fully set up a bow to where a guy can go in the range and shoot five different bows at 20 yards for yeah. three hours. So I think what would be awesome, what I like to do with people when I'm helping and I happen to be, you know, I'm working a sale at a shop. When I go work a sale at a shop, I'll have my prime stuff on or 10 point or whoever I'm working the shop for. and But I'm working with other people's bows uh if i can set up two or three bows and just have a sight on them i can get them in a no fire release have them draw back the bow and hold the bow Mm -hmm. and it's got a sight and go okay hold it on the x yeah okay now take this bow draw it back hold it on the x right you know put it set them all up with the same stabilizer system you know make it close because you're always going to be able to make that better with back bars and more weight and less Mm -hmm. weight and change it go which one was the pin the quietest which one was the pin on target the easiest Okay, let's shoot that bow. Let's try that bow because that's the one where you're going to hit what you're aiming with. The goal archery is hit what you're aiming at. Yep. And I don't care how much it vibrates because by the time I feel the vibration, the arrow is in the target or through the animal. God, you are preaching. So so I I mean, and by the time they hear that noise of the bow going off, they've already heard the fletch whistling at them. Exactly. So so let's not talk about noise and vibration. Let's talk about accuracy. Exactly. And how do we get accurate? We hold the bow still and our pin settles in. Dave freaking gets it. So let's... You know, if we can get away from the, I don't need to shoot a bow to have you, to let you figure out which bow you're going to shoot the best. I just Mm -hmm. need to know which one's the quietest in your hand at full draw. Exactly. And now let's shoot that bow. Bro. Yeah. You come work for me. That's exactly how I want to sell a bow. Exactly. The same way every time. To Bridger's point, if you're really busy, it can be hard to do, but that is where this industry needs to be changed in a sense of how we are, the what are we selling to the consumer and well, what matters? A, a lot of that comes from the manufacturer too. So that's, I mean, that's a huge, easy selling point to give as a manufacturer. Our, my bow's quieter than everybody else's. Yeah. Like, I mean, no, that's a very easy thing to sell. And we've educated the customer, we, the manufacturers 
of all educated customers on what are the two most important things smooth draw smooth drawn bow fast bow uh quiet and dead in your hand you know a little vibration those three things are the the staple pillars for you know a bow manufacturer on selling it it's speed sound and feel yeah Yeah. so So you can miss faster exactly that's my point how fast do you shoot your target bow bridger uh, my, I mean, I'm like right around 270, 274, 276. Yeah. How many guys bow. would come in here and be satisfied if they walked out with their hunting bow shooting 274 <laughs> feet a second? Well, our, our educational process is we've done a good job. If you our did not talk ba- them through it. Say yeah. Our customer base would probably be, most of them would be okay with it because uneducated. we put them in a bow. And I don't mean uneducated. That's a bad word. Uninformed. Internet, and uninformed. internet junkie. Internet guy. Or just anybody. They're going to go 274 is kind of slow. Yep. No doubt. Doesn't, I mean, most guys would doesn't probably matter say if you that, hit yeah. the X. And I want a faster bow. I like a fast bow too, but I well, want the most accurate fast bow. It's yeah. funny you say that, Dave. We talk about this a lot that, you know, on you go online right now, all everybody talks about, and this, this is actually quieted down a little bit, but FOC, FOC, FOC. You know, you've got to run 30% FOC. And Bridger is a, the master of this. It's like, you know, I shoot professionally for a living and I can promise you it, it's not more accurate because if it was, I'd be doing it. You know, 30% FOC is not more accurate in this tar- target world. Um, any archery world, I don't yeah. think it's Well, but I mean, that all, all that stuff comes down to customer education, yeah. which, I, you know, uh, us as a shop, I feel like we do a decent enough job yeah. with that. But but I just think it's awesome, though, with Dave, because you're exactly right. I'm try- I've talked to a lot of manufacturers about this. Start start the changing the paradigm. Let's, let's go in and talk about the things that matter, and that's draw cycle, valley, and how well it aims. Those three things I think are just paramount over everything else is being fed to Not in that order. order. How it aims no, no. is your starting Should point. Be the starting point. And then we're right. working back from there. Exactly. I, I can pull back a 20 pound bow mm-hmm. and have rock solid valley on exactly. it. But you know, yeah. but what, I mean, yeah. Yeah, no, you, you hit the man. Well, I'm, I'm so glad the, to hear you say it's refreshing to hear somebody in the industry from a manufacturer standpoint uh, singing that song because I think it's important. It's almost like Dave's been in the industry no for shit. 15 years and knows what he's talking about. <laughs> exactly. Right? That's a scary part. Uh, no, for real. That's awesome. Just trying to read off the script. <laughs> no. Well, you mentioned 10 point. What about, what about the new cool crossbow shit? Is there oh, man. a crossbow without strings talk on about it? Things with no strings? Yeah. That would be something. Yeah. Then it would be an I mean, airbow. It, ha- it an happens airbow. a lot, but not, I mean, I don't think they're supposed to operate <laughs> that way. Does it not have, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, a, a crossbow with no, well, that would be an airbow yeah. with no strings on it. I think. Well, I, get, I mean, it's, you know, no, no strings on it. Kind of like the bikes with no, uh, no spokes. I like it. You know, it. that type of thing. Yeah, like okay. it. We should make Some a. futuristic uh, type shit. Yeah. Hook up CO2 to the back of something. And, you know, <laughs> well, Crossman had, Crossman does have an air. They bow. do have an air. They just actually defeated legislature in Oklahoma. They tried to make air bows legal during archery season. Oh, because Instead it was shooting a bolt. Yeah. But they deemed it, uh, you know, to make a bow, you need limbs and strings. strings mm-hmm. Right. So whether it's a recurve or, well, I guess you could use an atlatl. It throws kind of an arrow. That's not the same. But the, uh, yeah. They defeated that because it's not a bow. It's, it's a, pellet gun shooting mm-hmm. an arrow shooting yeah. a really so, big yeah. pellet yeah yeah but no crossbow technologies are amazingly fun and awesome because you only got a couple guys up at the top of that that are really innovating 10 right. point being the american-made powerhouse and pushing innovation and you know and and not importing innovation so right. that's fun to get to work for those guys again another family-owned company who is uh you know running from 499 to 4099 dollars or 4900 dollars making huh. super how, fast super how f- well, i was going to ask you how far are they going to push the envelope on speed on them suckers yeah, they're hitting 500 now 505 is what we have right yeah. now yeah. i mean mm-hmm. are they going to you think that's going to keep going north 
until people stop buying them absolutely no kidding how fast do you want it that's fast i mean what can we do 500 fast would you want us to stop innovating and say (laughs) hey that's enough let's shut her down i want to break the sound barrier with a bow them things scare me i want to break a sound barrier with a bow man yeah i mean why how cool would that be have that it would oh, be man, loud. It's the crack of the bolt. <laughs> <laughs> you might have the Literally. Air Force coming in on you. Well, you see, even even look at the speeds on the vertical limbos. I mean, the vertical bows. I I mean, looking at it from a geometric engineering, purely engineering standpoint, we're pretty close to to tapping out that that three sixty to three seventy. I just don't see how. I mean, we're we're at, getting quicker. Right so, now, I think most companies are hovering in that like 80 to 85% efficiency range, yeah, I think. Yeah, agreed. You can make them faster. Uh, you can make a bow that shoots a lot faster. The problem is you're at a point Keeping where, together. You, well, you can't add weight because you're trying to do it at 70 pounds, 30 inches, 350 grain. Now, if we're going to use right. an IBO standard, you know, right. a mm-hmm. setup, right? Right. So working with that, how do you gain speed? Right. Your efficiency. We're already super efficient. Right. There's one place you can grab more. Brace height. Exactly. But how my gosh, the shooting experience sucks. You can drop a bow to four inches of brace height and and or three. I mean, you can go two inches shorter than an omen or a full throttle. And guess what? You had two inches of power stroke. Lord Almighty. You got a 380, 390 foot a second bow that That you can't handle. No. (laughs) Is it doable? Yes. But practical. Yeah. No. And so I think the goal is to make uh, efficiency more friendly. How do we make 85% efficiency with a smoother draw and a and a yeah. harder wall and a better aiming experience yeah. and all you know and that's why I think you're seeing some of these companies come up with risers with holes in them for sights and kickstands for setting your bow up and we're starting to innovate in different directions right because mm-hmm. we're running out of places to go but um, how awesome is it going to be when somebody does something cool now yeah when somebody comes out with something groundbreaking you're going to go I got to try it yeah exactly got to be there well allegedly uh old God, I can't remember the guy's name dude he's designed like damn near every cam system out there right now struthers uh, uh, struthers uh, allegedly he's got like a row of cams on his desk that go up to 500 really that's what rio told me here's the thing though kevin struthers has been in this industry forever and he's a brilliant engineer but how many of those can you actually shoot exactly <laughs> that's what i was gonna say you can make how a full throttle cam go that fast if you shorten the brace height yeah oh, exactly see, it's just a well, hatchet i was gonna say i i would argue <laughs> and your draw force with, curve goes like this yeah yeah, yeah straight well, remember, up straight down well you remember dave you're close to my age but you know back in the day the high countries the hatchet cams mm, they before were my time they were okay well, the high countries were the speed demons of the industry back then mm-hmm. then they were the fastest but you could not keep them together no. uh, i mean you better have axles cams and limbs and we used to b- yeah, break magnesium I mean, risers be, like they were going would, out of style i would argue now with height. modern you know modern bow materials how prime building bows with 82 82,000 se- or 8200 yeah, series, 8, aluminum, series aluminum right like aren't we to the point where we can shoot a shorter brace height bow with how well, stiff our risers are and how six solid is a new the, seven i mean other than what dave's pointing at his hand slapping his wrist other than that you know guys Guys freaking out saying they got to have a seven inch brace height bow. Got to have a seven inch just brace height bow. Just drop a, put an overdraw on them. Yeah. You, I mean, you could, but then you're, you know, the the two inches in arrow that you cut off to gain speed isn't going to give you near as much as the two inches extra in power stroke that you'd gain. But from a shooting it, other than, you know, getting so short in brace height to where you are smacking your wrist or smacking your hand, like I, I still don't get why guys are so leery about shooting up five or six inch brace bow six inches is the new seven i mean seven six is a new seven in my opinion 
Dude, my those bows are as efficient as a seven inch brace height was fifteen years the ago. The Victory thirty seven is a six and an eighth six yeah. and an eighth inch bow, and that's probably the most winningest bow Elite has came out with. So exactly. what are we trying to do with brace height? Trying to build forgiveness, right? Correct. Mm-hmm. And we're building forgiveness by getting the arrow off the string quicker. Faster. Because right. the arrow's on the string, which means we can manipulate it with our hand and all that. And it Correct. hits the bumper and it's off the string. So the farther it travels, the worse it is. But cams are faster now. Yeah. And we're starting, especially with guys shooting 20, 22, 24 pounds of holding weight, there's not a lot of slop at the back. It's full mm-hmm. throttle, ready to, it's ready, ready to it's roll. on go. The engine's <laughs> yeah. revved. Right. So, He's got my attention. Yeah, you can, uh, you can shoot a little less <laughs> brace height it. and get to the, and accomplish the goal mm-hmm. that a seven or an eight or a nine could before. Right, no doubt about it. No, that's, it's, it's amazing to see where it's gonna go and what's gonna happen. I still think that my, my gut's telling me, you know, I said this before, I'll never forget getting the phone call from Prime and they told me, gee, they had accomplished a center grip and I told them it was BS because it had been tried and failed. Um, so I, I say that there's going to be something else happen. Somebody will come out with something really cool and new. But from a, when I look at the industry and where it is now, I don't. I think, man, we got to be close. Like you just said, 80 to 85% we were looking at tapping the keg i mean it's pretty it's pretty the the bar is pretty high right now dude give me a five inch brace height with giant spiral cams and adjustable <laughs> holding weight <laughs> well and your, your efficiency is never gonna you're always gonna have drag from strings oh, and yeah. from cable mm-hmm. slides yeah. and you're never gonna get a hundred and, no. and i don't know where they're at now i'd have to ask an engineer or somebody well, i know are, i know what the htr because i remember sitting in meetings with matt and when he did his old press release and they released that bow they were at 84 percent with that one yeah. So, so somebody says, about, I mean, well, I mean, I'm from Missouri. Show me. Yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, yeah. you know, so that's How why I say most yeah. companies now are probably in that 80 to 85% from a, from a efficiency numbers based on the amount of energy they're putting so, in for what they're getting out of the cam system. You can yeah. also drop strings. You can, you can run strings. Mm-hmm. You can run less strings and speed up your oh, bow. Gosh, you can we shoot do lighter peeps. You can shoot less serving. You yeah. can shoot off your string instead of a loop. There's a lot of ways to steal efficiency and build yeah. speed. But now we're back to, do we need it? Do yeah. you need it? And how much accuracy are you giving up, up to, yeah. in order what to are gain you accomplishing? That? Which yeah. we talk about this in ASA all the time. I'd sacrifice speed for accuracy. You know? Oh yeah. So would any sniper in the military. We do it yeah. all the time in ASA. I mean, 296 on the pro side or 280 on the 286 on the amateur side. I mean, most of them people are, and it was funny, even our shooters do it. You see them always trying to get that top end of that envelope. And I'm like, quit, yeah, but quit worrying about it. Just shoot your bow. Everybody I've talked to has said that, that 280, 285. It's the most accurate. Yeah. I, I believe that 275, 285 is the most accurate most arrow forgiving. you can put out of the bow. Most, it gives you the best, most forgiving arrow that you can shoot the best. Yeah. And get the most efficiency out of most efficiency out of your system and from, an, you can get from that, an accuracy standpoint. If you can get that out of a hunting bow, yeah, you're golden. Well, I've always said on the hunting side, the hunting speed for me is somewhere between 270 and 290. Uh, that's my window where I want to put most of my hunters in. Yeah, but your draw length's like 22 and a half. That's well, why I I, 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 I can't even get near 270. So yeah, Dave's right. I'm that's short why guy. Scott, that's why Scotch bitches about his shoulders because he shoot 85 pounds, 85 so, he can hit pounds that so I can hit 270. Mark. So I can get 270. But the average, shut up, Roberts. But the average guy that's at twenty nine to thirty inch draw, I mean that that window should be. In, and I've it's funny because every guy that has built that bow at three ten to three fifteen, they just they don't shoot it well. I always mean, come back they in the same way. Slow it, it down. Slow you know what my bow set at and why? Or where I build mine to? What'd you do? I build mine to a speed. Generally, and mine are right. I want them at 312, 310, 312. Really? Mm-hmm. And I'm, I shoot an 80 pound bow for hunting a lot. And, so he's a speed I shoot guy. A lot. Yeah, I like uh, work. Yeah, I like fast bows that shoot accurate. You've seen me shoot a 60 pound quest for a whole uh, year, though, for fun. And shot it freaking amazing. But uh, 
I set all my stuff up different. I'm top pin 30. Oh, she got so, 20. See, yeah, so because at that speed, with about a 450 grain arrow, if I run my math right, I'm about two inches low, or I'm about two inches high at 20, and mm-hmm. I'm about two inches low at 35. Correct. Now, I'm a western hunter, so mule deer and elk are my concern. Right. So I hit my calling in a bull, right? All I got to know where 40 is, and if he's inside 40, I'm top pin within two inches of my spot. Right. I just took away 20 yard, the gap between 20 and 30, the gap between 30 and I eliminated mm-hmm. all, all that. that math. Yeah. And I can go, okay, I'm two inches high at 20. I'm dead on at 30. Yeah. By the way, when you do that, my zero comes out at about eight yards. So I'm, I'm low out to eight. I'm dead on at eight. Then I'm running high and then I'm coming back down at 30 and then I'm too low at 35 and I may be four low at 40, but if I know where 40 is and he's inside of it. Right. I'm 37 or less. Right. Exactly. I'm pin on and, and, he, and he's well, dead. He's so dead. I don't have to jack around with the range finder. I just have to kill an elk. Right. What your bow at your draw length with at 80 pounds with a 450, 460 ish grain arrow, that bow at 310 feet per second is way different from mm-hmm. efficiency standpoint and all that stuff than me or, you know, Scott or even me shooting an arrow at 310 feet per second. Oh God. Yes. Yeah. What I got so to like do to you, get to 310? Yeah, exactly. Shit. Either run an insanely high amount of weight to where it's uncomfortable to shoot and you yeah. suffer, the accuracy suffers with that, arrow. or a way too light of a weight arrow that just can't stabilize enough to shoot accurately. Yeah, yeah you so, got to build for what your body will yeah, let you build. because you're, what, you're 29 and a half? Yeah, 20, three quarters. Yeah, right there. 29 yeah. and a half, 30. Mm-hmm. So for you to reach that number, you don't have mm-hmm. to cut as much near as much arrow out of it as like myself or Scott have to yeah. in nope. order and to I get reach to, those numbers. And I get to work around where where everybody engineers a bow off of a 29 number. and a half, 30 inches. Number. Exactly. Yeah, I just happen to fit the, the mold. You're at the, <laughs> the I'm very spot average. where most bows are devo- designed. Yeah. <laughs> I am extremely <laughs> average. Extraordinarily average. average. Yeah. Yeah, I shot a, a full throttle one time. Uh, seventy. I built a 75-pound full throttle. Jay James helped me put it together, actually, and uh, shot a 375-grain arrow out of it. Oh, my just God. IBO, and I had it shooting 352. I never shot anything with it, but it was a, it was, it would And that was what, how many years ago now? That's full throttle would have been 2010 ish. A while ago. So you were hitting, you were hitting a little, little after that maybe, but, but still you were hitting speed numbers that were just not even talked about. Well, I did it on purpose to prove I could do it. I mean, I was, I, I had strings rock. Did it sound like a 22 going off? Oh, they didn't hear it. They had no idea. (laughs) I wore earplugs. (laughs) That's hilarious, dude. Yeah, you can uh, build bows to do fun stuff. Oh, you but can. It oh, yeah. dude, you know uh, what? I did? I never hunted and shot one animal with that bow. Yeah. You just did it because you wanted to do it. I just wanted to build it and had yeah. it, and I did it, and then I, I Somet- this is stupid. It's not even fun to shoot. Sometimes <laughs> you want to know what happens. Yeah. Dude, Sometimes I built the, the bow I brought to the bro, bow I brought to tack in Big Sky back in like oh, yeah, 18 or 19. One. It was 80, 82 or 84 pounds shooting a 350 yeah. Maxima RZ. Yeah. Or not the RZ, but the, the Blue Streaks. Yeah. Super shooting like arrow. 325 feet a second. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I did with Bows that? Bows can bow? shoot good that high because yeah. remember I came in here. Well, and I shot, shot a 20. With it. I shot a 329 X game with that with thing. Yeah, with my hunting setup. Yeah, and you go in and you go shoot it through a chrono, and then somebody does the math on your KE. Oh yeah, and they freak out because your KE is 104, and they're like, "You could kill an I, elephant with that." I'm like, "Kinetic energy is oh. the oddest thing to measure to me. It's, oh, it's not know. right for the archery world. No, no. Moment, are momentum. we going to get into a momentum kinetic energy yeah. debate now? We got to talk about kinetic that. energy. Is this? It's a, a. I mean, the lighter you go, the faster your arrow goes. Kinetic energy stays the same at, at out of the gates. You know, at the five mm-hmm. feet that we're checking with the chronograph. That 300 grain arrow going 350 feet 
feet per second has the same energy at five feet as the 500 grain arrow so going 270. What, what's crazy though, kinetic energy is, is the measurement of, of energy dispersion upon target. Yeah. We don't do that. We cut by cutting arteries. We cut we cut veins. We cut it's arteries. It's the energy at impact, not the energy carried through exactly. impact. Exactly. Correct. And that's where but it's now so you wrong can go, for arteries. You can go the other way too far to build ultimate momentum and shoot a 900 grain arrow on your whitetail setup. Mm. Welcome, that to, welcome to Ranch Ferry. Yeah, Ranch Ferry. and then you got, a, you got a 10-yard a ten pin, a 15-yard pin, and a 20-yard exactly. pin, and then you're at, and then you, and then you roll in your sight. So, <laughs> yeah. And it makes no sense. I don't need to shoot through a no. tree and then a deer. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> Very true. No, there's, there's, there's that is a grain arrow for a turkey. Yeah, that will be a debate for another show because that that is a whole other. Then we can get into arrow twist and how, oh which way God, the string is clocking. spun to spin your arrow and how you want to oh. fletch your veins. I we've talked left. about we've talked about all this already. That, in this oh, I'm, it, that, I should have been a guest. It sooner. makes me nauseous. That that it. horse is a dead carcass and is about powder left as pear shaft tune. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> shut up, Tabanski. <laughs> well, do, do you breathe in or out when you shoot? Yeah, exactly. It's important to think that's about. That's another one too. I don't breathe. Yeah, I just don't either. I just hold. No, that's hilarious. Well, that's awesome. Dave, I'm, this has been awesome. We need to make Roberts like a regular on here. <laughs> no, I'm being serious, dude. You, we'll give you, you a monthly spot. You give you a monthly spot, dude. You actually are... Names oh, on this jersey aren't wise, cheap, my friend. Wise beyond your years. <laughs> there you go. Exactly. That's so for wait, sure. you're paying us to have this on the episode? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, absolutely. No. absolutely. I'll take it out in uh, sales. We can go write Sweetness. some POs out real quick. There you go. We'll exactly. No, it's been, it's been deals fun. for you. No, seriously, it's been awesome. Dude, your, your knowledge base is way up there on the food chain. So you're, it's kind of cool and refreshing to hear your side of it, especially to hear the manufacturer. I know you represent them and you, you, you're, you're speaking on their behalf at times. A lot of what you were talking about today is personal opinion. I get it, but it's still refreshing to hear a different side of this industry and where it's coming from, where it's going, how things are, are going to help grow this industry to, you know, throughout the next decade. You know, somebody asked me yesterday, they said, who do you represent? Do you represent who's more important, the retailers or the manufacturer? Because you just said I'm representing the manufacturers. Yeah. And, and to you, I am representing the Correct. manufacturers. Yeah. But to you, I'm also representing you to the manufacturers when problems come up or oh, issues yeah. come yeah. down. Mm-hmm. So it's not an either or for me. Uh, there, There's equal value, sometimes greater on one side or the other, depending on the situation between the manufacturer and the retailer. But ultimately, we're all held accountable by the consumer because uh, they're yeah. going to vote with their wallet. And, uh, you know, Hopefully a few pe- people try a bunch of bows and get what they like and get a shop they like being with because they're going to vote with their wallet with you too. Exactly. There's options Yeah. Uh, where you can spend your money and uh, hopefully they're good with you and loyal to you. But no, yeah. I appreciate the opportunity to come on and hang out a little bit. And no, it was awesome. Hey, it was man, a lot it was of fun. Chat. A lot of fun. Well, I definitely hope nobody fact checks me. Nah, don't worry about that. <laughs> we don't we're, get... we're not that important. Yeah. We actually have a really good audience base. It's, it's, it's awesome because Bridger and Jason will tell you we get to at least in a target world, especially, we'll be out, you know, and people will be like, man, you're the guys from Leading Edge, the podcast. And they they actually are their biggest concern and complaint that I get, especially when they stop me, is not enough content, not timely enough. Because this happens, what, once every two to three weeks if we're lucky? Well, it's usually like, oh, shit, we're dead today. Jason, <laughs> Jason's free. He can come over, come right? Come on, Jaybird, let's, let's record. And it's usually you, you being it's over. Yeah, and when you being here today was a blessing and just a, a bonus because I, we love to have guests come in. Um, we try to get them as much as we can, but it was kind of refreshing to have your perspective on it this yeah. today. Target archery is important, and it's important at every level from ASA to IBO to FIDA to NFA to pick your sport to, to total archery challenge. Hey, can, I, can I ask you a question regarding that real yeah. quick? 
we'll keep it short because I know this could probably go on for another people hour. People can people can shut it off whenever they yeah, want, I right? I mean, no. you don't have to listen to the but end. This, no, this one will be a good one though. Okay, so do you think? Even though I just said target archers, you know, of course uh, we're seeing more tennis than ever. Do you think our sport needs a needs not a reset, but maybe a, a change to make the games different, funner, more variety? Are they stale? I think it's the same retroactive comment uh, I made before. We're either being reactive or proactive, and and I think target. I think the total archery challenge was uh, proactive in archery in bringing in people to a target shooting environment no hunting involved at all that did not involve all the other organizations all the all the other letters we've talked about this Mm -hmm. whole time right right uh and i bet bridger can you name three pro archers who go shoot tack events can you name two i can name one chris b (laughs) okay yeah yeah yeah. chris pickup truck b yeah is uh you know and i think that's the beauty of it is they don't have to go to do the whole ASA registration, sign up, here's your shooting assignment, here's your trophy, here's your, you know, and the scorecard, it's like whose line is it anyway? The scores don't matter. Right. But you're accomplishing something and you're part of a group and you're part of a thing. So uh, it was really not any kind of an, I should have been a politician. I dodged the heck out of your question on accident. (laughs) No, but Uh, but you got a great point though. The, uh, yes, target archery will get stale. If you look at ASA numbers, are they growing or shrinking and by how much? And yeah. any other Vegas or well, anywhere else? I will tell you this. I, I will use NFAA as okay. an example. Are they growing or shrinking? And I, I will don't tell know. you, they're shrinking. So then, I mean, they just had 4,000 people sign up for the Vegas shoot last well, year. Well, I don't count the Vegas shoot. That doesn't count. I'm talking about the NFAA field archery world. Well, like you f- said it before. If field, I had my druthers to shoot any discipline on a monthly basis to go compete, and have a good time, I would shoot field archery. Well, there's a multitude of issues as why field is dying. Agreed. A, it, we went out and shot field, uh, state field two weeks ago, and it took us six hours both right. days right. to shoot 112 arrows. And then look at every look at your uh, club contingency and everybody that runs your club. Yeah. Do you think all them old fat white guys are going to walk around and change 28 targets? No, you yeah, know exactly. Or uh, doctor up twenty eight target bells right. at every field course in the nation. And when like, that was successful, there were less archery venues to participate in. Yep. So there's, how, was, there's, there's that was the only less show in town. There's three ways time. to win in business, right? First to market, second to market, segment the market. Right. So you know, but now when the market's got ten different options in it, everybody's segmented just a little bit off. You're going to peel off the yeah. people are going to find the most fun, most edgy, mm-hmm. most new. Yep. And right now, Total Archery Challenge is the new, fun, oh gosh, cool yeah. kid at school. I will say, having, having shot at literally every different type of venue in target archery from an event standpoint, the most fun I've ever had shooting my bow was at TAC. So I think here's the problem with target archery, I think. You go to TAC, nobody's going to complain that you are a half a foot off the stake. People are going <laughs> to laugh. People, uh, I went full circle on you, yes. Uh, people are going to laugh when you say, I want to back up 10 yards because I have a 125-yard pin and oh, I yeah. think I can do it. Well, yeah. do it I mean, and it's, it's a fun shoot, man. Like, archery's supposed to be fun, and I think yeah. some of these tournaments suck the fun out of archery because they get so hung up on rules and regulations, they forget that it's supposed to be fun. And yeah. I think rules and regulations are important, but I think the same keyboard cowboy who's spending so much time commenting on somebody's stake placement at an ASA probably should spend more Dude, time shooting his bow instead we, of worrying about somebody else because if i'm shooting an asa and there's a guy that's trying to cheat and beg every inch out of it i got his number because if he's got a cheat to win i'm gonna crush him yeah yeah and, and i'm going hey you little far well, off the stake there cowboy you gonna turn me in nope i'm just gonna beat you 
Yeah. Because you can't well, do it. And, and that comes back to the spirit of the rule thing. Yeah. Which yeah. in the pro class has never been an issue. And so any, almost never been an so issue. Full circle, archery's fun, and that's why tax crushing. Yeah. That's why their numbers mm-hmm. are up and growing You're in right. their investors because it's fun. Well, think about it. What rules what do, are, do they really have in tax? Have fun. Show up. That's the only that's rule. It. You got to pay up, for parking. Yeah. And you got to pay your entry fees. And, and, and then, then you be go at your assigned tea time. And other than that. And you know what? If you miss it, you chose to miss it, and you can go do something well, else. It's funny you say no, that because. Who cares? You're there, you're there for you. The average tat guy will lose in between 12 and 18 arrows in a, in a two Because days. he's pushing himself. Exactly. And it, well, could you imagine if in target archery, if you lost 12 to 18 arrows in a given well, they weekend? Well, do, they do at the 4-H stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so I sat there, and I've, I've asked people, and you go to an ASA, how was your day? I'm eight down. How was your day? I'm 14 up. How was your day? Oh, I shot a five on the last target and I'm dead even. How was your day? You go to attack. How was your day? Oh man, it was awesome. I lost six arrows and I shot a target at 117 yards (laughs) and this guy with the reeker and they tell you 57 stories about how much fun it was. was, Nobody tells you their score. Yep. And I don't think that has to do with a lack of competitiveness because you're pushing yourself. Why'd you lose six arrows? It's a different type of thing. It's still competitive. If you and I go shoot attack event, oh yeah, we're we're going to compete, and and I'm going to go. I bet you I can shoot him in the eyeball, and it's a (laughs) 94 yard target, (laughs) and you're going to go. You're going to lose your arrow. I go not if I hit him in the eyeball because it's going to be awesome. I mean, if you and I go golfing together, I could give I could give a shit less if I duck hook one duck hook one in the woods and lose my golf ball not like as long all, as your next one's 330 exactly. yards you don't care all i'm worried about <laughs> is out driving you on par five so i can try making it in two yeah you know so it's it's the same type of thing it's a different type of competitive venue yeah, yeah and it's still competitive and uh i think that it's important to open up all those venues of archery because that's what grows the sport because attack guy does probably doesn't become an asa shooter or an indoor shooter a dot guy it's not his no but but at the same time if you know maybe he doesn't or most of them probably don't but some you know say one of the guys like man i walked through here and shot all these targets hit a score it was awesome man i really wish there was something where i could go and you know compete really squeeze my competitive juices out and you know in a more uh formal format so i think a better question is is there any particular form of target archery that is struggling because i don't think target archery is struggling if you include all forms from hyper competitive pro class known asa or vegas pro shooters to your local club shoot to guys who shoot 20 targets with their friends at their home course every other Mm -hmm. week right or whatever so no i think target archery is alive and well but it should be fun that's why there's hunter classes yeah that's why there's unlimited classes. That's why there's classes. Shoot what you brought. Well, yeah. and it kind of a lot of that comes back to the animosity you were talking about before with archers eating archers. Like yeah. you know, all, you know all the known guy or not all the knows. You know, everybody wants to make up the the whole known versus unknown, oh, gosh, yeah. known versus unknown shit or indoor well, versus they, they, outdoor. You want to make it fair? Go draw chips. 3D. Okay, you're shooting unknown today. Okay, yeah. you're shooting K fifty today. You know, it's, and it's funny you say that because we always talking about how they you know they changed our patterning and how we had to walk the course you know this at metropolis where instead of walking down the line the turn and coming back they crisscrossed your cross because there were some potential rules cheating sure, violation guys stepping off targets or but, something I right mean, it yeah. is exactly what it was but you yeah. know what's scary is they changed that rule for less than 20 percent of your contingency so once again the, your minority group is driving rule changes that affect the the bulk of your customers which i think is stupid and like the nfaa is a great example i mean for decades now they've created how many classes are there in NFA now? Uh, really 44. 68? No, I don't think it's 68. It's, it's, it's like 40. It's at least 44. <laughs> so, 746. so what happens is you get one guy who complains that I do it this way. Oh, yeah. we'll build you a class. 
And I, you said it a second ago. If somebody would get smart and just say, here's our classes, there's 10, build a bow forward, you don't shoot our stuff. That's that's what USA Archery does better than anybody else. USA does that better than anybody else. You exactly. shoot a compound, you shoot a recurve. You got a winner, you got boobies. That's that's, <laughs> that's your class. And how old are you? That's your class stipulation. Exactly. You got all your limbs, you're missing some limbs. Yep, yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah <laughs> which, exactly. Which, which, which of your limbs work? Yeah. <laughs> and to what <laughs> right. degree? Exactly. No, USA Archery does a great job of that because then you just build the bow to go shoot their event. Mm-hmm. And, and we're being very picky. You know, we're not running any of these organizations. No, we're so not. So the guys no, running right, right, right. it are doing it because they love it and and to make money and to provide a service so right. you know it's easy to sit back and poke holes in, in oh, what yeah. they do oh, yeah, and and like they I've, do a great helped, job because yeah, we like, wouldn't have anything to complain about if it weren't for you know even if you want to <laughs> yeah, say Terrell exactly. or whoever's of the world that ran entire shooting circuits right exactly no, I that shit's that. hard to do man it's like, very I've, hard and you're I never going to keep everybody happy and there's always going to be four idiots on a podcast oh, complaining about exactly you. Yeah. i mean i, I helped run the Job. Oh no. no! I like no. I helped run the ISAA pro am for a lot of years, and that thankless. Uh, I don't. Yes, it's Hell. thankless. The we, only we thing run, people we run did, local ASA qualifiers, and they're thankless. Yeah, the only. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. I mean, the only thing you ever hear is the squeaky wheel. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. we, it, it's to the point where after Arizona Cup this year, the organizer posted something on the on Facebook or whatnot of how miserable they felt afterwards because of how many people were complaining and bitching yeah. about practice yeah mm-hmm. to the point that some of these people didn't want to do it again next year yep no, which so, that's crazy so to me because literally every organization on the or every other organization out there especially in the states you have to pay for your practice yep. yeah yeah i didn't really care the usa said we couldn't had to pay to practice like yeah, i was just give a shit about that well we said we were going to do an hour-long show and it's been two every, and we probably could talk for another three but Dave, we appreciate you being on, dude. It was awesome. I had a good time. I hope you did. It was fun. He's I had bold. a great time. Thank you he's for sharing your knowledge. Yeah. You're going you. hunting this weekend or something, right? No, he's going to go shoot. Oh, you're going to yeah. shoot. I'm going to go shoot. Yeah, well, I'm a shotgun shooter. He's a shotgun. Oh, that's right. Side. You're shooting I'm pigeons shotgun tomorrow. Shooting. That's what you're doing. Shooting clay clay pigeons. Clay targets and shooting things that go boom. I'm going I'm actually until world. September. I hear you're really good, too. Guys in the industry that know you talk about dude, you. I love Roberts is pretty good. Now, oh, dude, I'm addicted. I've got a gun that I don't. I know. Want I ever, shot your gun. I don't want to start I've shot shooting your gun it. more than you have. You probably have. <laughs> so, anyways, we appreciate you, Dave. It was awesome. Um, Thank you, guys I and gals. Appreciate you guys, man. It, we will be coming back online. Probably our next show will be under a new name. Mm-hmm. We'll probably have a new. We're going to use the same format and everything. It's just going to be a different name. Yeah, it's just going to the logo and the name. Yeah, change. and That's we may it. change that some things as far as how we're. Do are feeding you our content, meaning that we're probably going to be a little bit edgier. Probably take some risks on talking through some equipment stuff, and probably maybe, maybe get down in the weeds. Maybe video. Yeah, we're going to do some things different and kind of push the envelope of. I mean, I I, I tread lightly in this, but I'm going to be able to do what I've always wanted to do, which is an unbiased evaluation opinion on the good the bad and the ugly of our industry translation scott's going to talk more shit exactly (laughs) you want a teaser you want to give them something to hang on to tell their friends about no because it's it's dangerous and i still haven't decided i want to do it or not yet because people in the industry are probably going to hate me but i don't care at this point well good thing you know what you know what sucks about it just playing the producer i'll just tell you this it's it's like this every year you hear the same thing from all the pro shooters This is the best bow they've ever built. This is the best one I've ever shot. It's amazing. It's got the best brace height, the best speed, and I get so sick and tired. What you don't hear is about this pro's gone through 
their ninth bow yeah, to find that's one that's actually shooting and this and that. And the, it, this stuff drives me nuts. I, I want to get down in the weeds and talk about, man, this is what's good, bad, and ugly about this piece of equipment. Yeah. We don't have it. Nobody, everybody's afraid to do it. We just might. Because we are, everyone is terrified about the repercussions that come. Because in our industry, and Dave, you'll know this, and you'll agree, I think, <laughs> if this industry's small enough, you know, if somebody farts across the country, everybody smells it. Yeah. And it can get really ugly really quick, potentially. Probably so. wouldn't have been my analogy. Yeah. But. <laughs> well, well, he knows what you're going for, right? Yeah. I guess the gist of your yeah, there you point go. there. So anyways, yeah. hopefully we're going to come in and it'll be, a, it'll be trend setting. It'll be kind of cool. It'll be fun. That's for I'm damn excited. sure. So, anyways, we thank you for listening, folks. Uh, you guys have a great evening. Dave, once again, thank you, buddy. Thank, thank you. Have fun. Thank you very much. All right. Take care.